What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Grime and Games Grimecast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Nutchucks, and with me, as always, your uh, special friend who's out on parole from the mental institution, Browbeat. And today we have a, a, a kind of a third member uh, for the podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Um, the mental asylum patient just kind of picked me up on his way here, but uh, I'm here now. My name's uh, Waterhorse. Well, nice. And we'll have you warming our seats. Indeed. It's so one of the only things I'm good at, but I'm glad I could be here. Yeah, My ass has been numbed by cold chairs. It's been so much. So Waterhorse, uh, water, water I just literally called you Waterhorse. Uh, Waterhorse, uh, what do you like to do? Let's tell, talk a little bit about yourself, like besides your name. Other than working and sleeping, um, I play a decent amount of fighting games. Uh, I've just recently gotten into Dragon Ball Fighters. That one's been pretty pretty good to me. Uh, I hate playing people online because people online fighting games just absolutely suck. They are the worst. Skill-based matchmaking doesn't make sense. Um, other than that, I listen to too much music. And watch anime. So you're going to fit right on in with this then because we watch anime. And speaking of fighting games, that's going to actually be the background video for the YouTube. It's going to be Tekken 7. Um, going to be specific with the story mode of Tekken 7, apparently. Yeah, story mode in Tekken 7, as people are watching right now. Uh, which which the, that, that ain't Tekken. That's all cutscenes. It is. It was 90% cutscenes. Out of the, the two hours of recording that I did, 90% of it's just cutscenes. That's how that it's, works. It's just constant bathroom breaks. Now, uh, question, sir, Mr. Horse, if that is your real name. Uh, in your passion for fighting games, has the keyword rollback entered your periphery of awareness? No. Okay. So, so it, it's a small thing in this context. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters is a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it does not feature rollback, meaning online matches are further exacerbated by having unnecessary lag. But this is gradually being amended by many games that are incorporating code that makes it much, much smoother to input your commands and other people's, so that online matches against other people are a little bit less ass. So here's to here's to quarter one, twenty twenty three, featuring rollback for Dragonfall Ball Fighters. Yeah, now that you've explained it, I have entirely experienced what you mean. Um, there are certain online matches they have like a, a frame delay counter at the bottom. And it'll uh -huh. jump anywhere from 19 to 57 to 43. And uh, it makes like the games just unplayable. No, just, just, just roll Gogeta and just do your super combo thing and be easy match. Well, why is everyone well, mad? I don't want to win like that. I would rather push these four that. buttons and <laughs> game. Charge up multiple times, hit this one combo, you win. Man, I miss Budokai. Yeah, that was a great game. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm going to keep beating uh, a dead horse here and ask you, uh, if you could pick your favorite fighting game, sir, Water Horse, uh, what would it be? Oh, God. And why is it Bushido Blade? Oh, it's not. Um... <laughs> it's SNK's King of Fighters. Thank you, 1995. Uh, see, that's it's really difficult for me to pick a favorite fighting game because... I, I have different favorites for different like genres of fighting games. Like I have my favorite 2D fighters. I have my favorite 
team fighters. I have my favorite 3D fighters, and I have my oh, favorite platform we, fighter, which is of course Smash. We got a multiplayer fan over here, guys. We do. Um, but if I had to narrow it down to like one fighting game that I feel like I could play, if I that was the only fighting game I was allowed to play, it would probably have to be Tekken. Just because I've had so much fun like learning Tekken and like the the combo system in that game just feels so fluid. Is your is your hand deformed into the claw? No, I have buttons on the back of my controller. Oh. Well so your so your Tekken fingers aren't fully developed yet. No. If if they were fully developed, I'd have a fight pad. <laughs> Excellent. All right, bro. I'm gonna uh, ask so you. basically you're a you're a command grabber then. Yeah, you roll that king all day long. Oh god! <laughs> I uh, I actually have a friend who mains king, and he plays on keyboard and mouse. Funny enough, which is odd to me, but he has uh, macros set to where he can just like press individual keys for his full string grab combo. That's that's it's it's a it's a speed for sure. You can do that. <laughs> Some would argue that it's cheating. Others would say it's just good wholesome family fun. Um, but then again, that's like making fun of somebody who could be Dark Souls with a uh, guitar hero controller. Like you make fun, you see what they do, and you go, "Okay, cool. I can't do that." Respect. Yes, Chuck. What is your question? I was going to ask you what if you could name your favorite fighting game, sir, and why. Try to keep going with the same subject. I had to think about it. I did grow up on Tekken, and Horse not very good. I'm not very good at fighting games because those inputs have always been very obscured to me. And I had never had a fight stick, so I had a lot of uh, problems doing Street Fighter-style full circle motions or zigzaggy motions, or sometimes the stick would overwaggle. So things like Mortal Kombat that just don't run well, period, uh, but look cool, they just would frustrate me because I would expect a certain kind of execution that I could not achieve. I've gotten somewhat better recently, but I understand that I'm at the tippity-toe bottom of the mountain. And I have a long way to climb if I really want to get into it. But similar to you, I think across all the joy that I've experienced within fighting games, and I've played a fair share of 2Ds and 3Ds, and I prefer 3Ds for the sheer flow of things, I would have to say Soul Calibur is my main jam in terms of enjoyment. And if I had to pinpoint one, uh, although 6 is the most robust for character creation, which I really do also enjoy because I get to import other fighting game casts and other characters into Soul Cal big fun for me i think four is my favorite because star wars god damn it i forgot about that it had yoda and vader didn't it also also the mvp nobody nobody nope. star killer oh uh, i played I mean, like 30 minutes of the first game so didn't go back for me i didn't go back. that's okay i think the most i remember about soul caliber I played a little bit of it, but I remember sitting when I was your roommate, uh, Brow, and just nonstop going through the character creations, just finding some of the most wackadoo characters we could find and just playing with them and yeah, seeing how it worked. Other people's creations and among all the smut and trash ones, every now and then you go, whoa, that's a good one. I'm saving that. I'm saving this one because it's high quality product. I'm saving this one because I'm horny. I'm saving this one because it's stupid. It's a horse with an enormous penis. Yes. Voldo <laughs> Thrust. Voldo thrust to victory. <laughs> All right, so Brow, since you are a fan of the Soul Calibur series, how do you feel about Maxi? I don't enjoy playing as Maxi. 
but that flying sidekick always makes me smile. And I know that there is the circling meta that does really well with Maxi. He's meant to always hit you in the ribs. There's a few different ways. But Ma- Maxi is my least favorite character to fight against in that game. Well, just uh, don't let him get close, bro. It's a lot easier said than done. Yes. <laughs> but I mean that 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 hair is hard to hard to ignore. This is oh, also yeah, true. It is. And if he starts to lean back and the flames start going around his little fist there, he's not, not going to pull the super. He's here to like get you to get closer. But if you're an idiot, he'll finish that super. And then you go down anyway. Also, I mean, if we're being full honesty here, uh, I mean, I have spent in my younger days, who are we kidding, last Thursday, just paying my respects to the uh, female cast of uh, Soul Calibur and all the associated fan works uh, they're in. And I feel comfortable saying that. Are you saying you looked at all the R34? You haven't? <laughs> no, I don't really don't look up R34 stuff of anything. You're just not being honest with yourself, my man. I feel like there's too much to go through. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. It's there's, there's there's huge amounts, and you have to be discerning. You have to be a connoisseur of smut. But we don't know what Chucks is not admitting to himself is actually he's really into Astroth. He just doesn't know it yet. Oh dear God, which one's Astroth? I can see it. The <laughs> like big demon guy with the giant uh, the giant sword. That's he, right. He's a great cuddler. And classically speaking, the hammer has always been a symbol of male virility. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm seeing it now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Look at that. The, the BDSM gear and the giant axe slash hammer. Yeah, who wouldn't want to see that in R34? Right up my alley. Almost everything, almost everything he has to say is like demeaning to your character, and you really enjoy being shamed right before you uh, finish. I'm just going to go out on a whim. I'm going to say there is a lot of R34 with him in Valdo. Hmm. I mean, I could do a I could do a spot check for that, but I don't feel like getting off topic. Yeah, let's let's not get off topic here. <laughs> let's just let's just stick to fighting games, all right? Hey, Nutchucks, uh, what's your favorite fighting game? Uh, I guess that was coming. Uh, have and to be... he, he was, he's going to say Super Mario RPG. Surprisingly, no, that is my favorite RPG game, but no, that is not my uh, favorite fighting game. Uh, I'm kind of like you. I'm not very good at fighting games. Uh, I just like having fun. Uh, when I was a kid, I played a lot of Street Fighter Two. Mortal Kombat. Wasn't good at them. I mean, I could button mash the shit out of anything. Played a little bit of Tekken Virtual Fighter. But the one that holds the most near and dear to my heart is uh, MVC2, or Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Uh, I remember playing that against uh, my older brother and getting my ass handed to me, but it, it had everything I wanted in a fighting game. Characters I knew, uh, great combos and super, so you felt like a badass. And it went quick. You could beat the game in like under 30, 45 minutes if you were picking your two-man team and you knew what you were doing. I liked it, and it, it will always stay near and dear to my heart. And it's Beating the game as in arcade mode? Arcade mode, yeah. Beat Took the, half an hour? Yeah, it was about half an hour if you played on easy. Okay. Horse? Anything to say? Yeah. Uh, half an hour on easy? All right. I can't really say. I've never played it. Uh but what was what was your team? Uh, Spider Man and Hulk. Spider Man and Hulk. I can't run that team now. I mean, if I tried to, I'd suck. I'd also use Juggernaut a lot because Juggernaut was such a badass. He could run through people. Like you try to block, he would just knock you up, and he could just do air combos, and it made it easy, especially for like a ten and eleven year old when it came out. Like, oh yeah, and also had a bomb ass song that the I'm gonna take you for a ride. And you're sitting there and you're just jamming out for it when you're sitting there selecting your character menu and you're just jamming out the whole time. You forget to pick your characters. It was pretty badass. 
and Could the timer runs out. And sing me the rest of that song. That's I don't, it. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's all it says. It's just like, I'm going to take you for a ride. And you, you hear like, Benedict, Benedict. And that it just repeats for like 30 minutes. But the whole time you're just like, as a 10 year old, you're just like jamming out. You're like, this is some good music. You, you don't know what good music is at 10 or 11, but you're just like, yeah, this is awesome. You just dance along to it. Yeah, you're just so reaffirming what previously was to... mentioned. Given the brevity of the song for Chucks, it's a new song every 30 seconds. It is. <laughs> yeah, he probably forgot the entire last song that played. And he was like, wow, this is this game has such an extensive soundtrack. I love this mixtape. <laughs> exactly. Actually, for me, honestly, if I'm going to jam out to a good uh, song group for games, it's going to have to be like Madden 2003 to, or like Madden 2005. Really? Because they use they use actual artists. So Green Day's American Idiot was debuted on Madden 2005. It's the first game, the first song ever to debut on on a video game. It debuted on it. Yep. Before that, it came out a month before the album did. Wow, that's like a Marshall Mathers Call of Duty affiliation tier right there. It is your Avenged Sevenfold on Final Fantasy. Been, I think Avenged Sevenfold did one or two songs for Final Fantasy. What? I believe so. Sevenfold. Start talking right now. Did a few songs for Call of Duty. Wait, I might be wrong. Zombies. Yeah, that's it. But my bad. I've never heard of Avenged Sevenfold Final Fantasy. Hold on, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm definitely wrong on that. They need to you, make that a thing. That would be awesome. I don't even think they're a band anymore, are they? Are they still tour? I have no idea. Wow. Oh, okay. Are the lead vocalist's vocal cords still intact? Yes. Okay. Oh, I think it was Final Fantasy. Cling to that dream, brother. <laughs> I'm going to cling on to that damn dream. Let's see here. Nope, nope, I can't find it. I was wrong. Okay, nope. I was 100% wrong. My bad. It's okay to say interesting, wild things that have no basis in reality. Exactly. But when they collapse, it's also polite to acknowledge that it was a fantasy alone. It was indeed. I'm sorry. As long as it's not your final fantasy. Ah! <laughs> I'm gets sorry. It. Gets it. No oh, puns welcome on the show. It was it was lobbed. I'm surprised so I, I knocked it out of the park. I'm surprised no one did the uh, Titus laugh. At, once I found out, once they found out I was wrong. Ah ah ah. Anybody? Uh, I I have a different relationship with that scene now but i understand if everyone wants to be stuck back in the meme days of wow this is some bad voice acting no you, di you didn't understand the scene it's fine well if you actually find come to find out if you watch uh listen to the japanese version it, he laughs the same way it isn't like he did the exact same thing the japanese voice actor did i, I understand but i mean across the western audience it's the same way weird pull that's going to happen get used to it with browbeat in the seat uh, it's the same way the Western audience reacts to Chinese opera. If you've ever heard it, you might think to yourself, what the fuck is happening right now? But then everyone in the audience is having a great time because they understand this is just, this is what this medium has cultivated itself to be. This is what it sounds like. And this is what's happening. But the problem is the word opera is there and people expect, generally speaking, Italian singers and Western opera. This is how opera is done. Well, across the mountains, over in distant Araby and beyond, this is how they do it. And I'm sure if, if, if those people would hear 
the Italian version that would also say that sucks shit. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Well, no, you have to, like, based on what I said, you have to type out a window and then a window in YouTube and then take a look at the video and then just immediately hit mute because your ears can't handle it. I did. I watched a video last night, actually, of a, a female opera singer in Italy. And there was a, a, a Chinese male that joined her because she didn't have the male voice or the male actor, I guess, in the opera singing along with her. So this Chinese student who's in Italy to learn opera started singing with her. And she was like, oh, shit, thanks. Like, cool. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm 21. I just started learning opera. And that's what I'm here for. Here's that's almost almost the point I was making, but thank yeah. you for participating. Yeah, no problem. That's that's the only opera I've seen in that of uh, the Bugs Bunny shit, the Barber of Seville. <laughs> we got a cultured man here, folks. Indeed. Who doesn't Bugs like Looney Tunes? and 30-second menu songs on Marvel vs. Capcom. Yeah, that's, that's how I roll. If it's more than 30 seconds and it's not a loop, I don't like it. Oh, Chuck's did say MVC2. Mm-hmm. I believe MVC2 had a three-person team. Isn't that correct? Mm, no, I think MVC3 was the one that first came out. With Force? Nope, it's two-man team. Interesting. No, no, damn it. No, that's MVC1. I'm sorry. Nope, you're right. Three-man yeah. team. Yeah, they went back to it in Infinite, and Infinite is a, a questionable entry in the series with really solid mechanics once you get past the fact that it looks terrible. But the, the point was being made is why no one name-dropped Sentinel, because we all secretly know that everybody played Sentinel in the third slot. Oh, no, I didn't. I would just pick random characters. BB Hood was also fun to play with. You ain't never... I, I think I played Sentinel, like, once. My, my teams were usually, like, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and then just whatever other character I felt like playing. And did you have a, a sense of affiliation based on comic books? As in, oh, I recognize these dudes, and they're in the game I'm playing. Sweet! Uh, when I was younger, that's probably why I did. And then as I got like older, I had like essentially had experience with the characters. And I just, I, I don't know, I felt like I picked up the combos easier, just more naturally. Probably from just playing the characters more. At what age did you realize, oh, loaded high launch and then do that all over again works really well. That's your bread and butter. Um, probably one of the last times I got into it. So uh, like 16, 17. <laughs> so like no last problem. year. But, but I, uh, yeah, I, I take breaks from fighting games for long periods of time and then I get really into them. Nothing wrong with a good binge. No. Sometimes that's what you need, though. Just to get back into it even more. I, I would give you that. I mean, when I play fighting games, I have to... So when I was a kid, I could just pick them up and play them. As an adult now, I need someone I can just play with because I know I suck. And I might, you know, just so I have a good time and someone can shit talk me while I'm uh, playing it and be like, dude, you're terrible. Like, I know. Um, you... Water horse, no, my buddy Steven. Uh, he was super competitive at this game. So anytime he was like, hey man, I need someone to practice with, it, it wasn't fun. And I think that's what killed it for me. Uh, when you hear start and uh, 10 seconds later, you're already dead. The, the game just kind of is shitty for you. You're just like, well, this was fucking useless. He's like, oh, come on, it's fun. I'm like, no, this is not fun. I can't do any of the combos. 
So it kind of ruined it for me as a child. Well, I would say a teenager. Just as an adult now, it's like, eh, I play fighting games if I have someone I can play against and just have a good time. Because if you ever go back and watch this video that I'm doing, oh god, it's fucking terrible. I think I've just hit A, B, and X, and Y just repeatedly, and no combos involved. Were you doing the, uh, like, one-button easy combos? Nope. I did the... Oh, no. We're just doing regular attacks. Yep. The only thing I could do that wasn't uh, regular was, like, the rage attacks. And uh, I couldn't land them with the robot girl with chainsaw arms, because that's about as far as I got. Every time I tried to do hers, it would miss. And so I just had enough of it, and I just started pressing buttons. But at the Which uh, one's the chainsaw arm girl? What game are you talking about? Tekken 7. And I don't, oh, don't know her name. Elisa from Tekken 7. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah, no, no. We can pick that up, but the audience might not be clued in. That's that's true. Um, I don't know her name. I didn't pick up. I know right now I'm playing with Kazuma. So I'm watching this because I'm making sure everything's recording correctly as I talk. Kazuma? Mm -hmm. Who is Kazuma? It would be Hitachi's son, right? And Jin's uh, his grandson. Of all of these pronunciations are wrong. You're it's playing fantastic. Kazuma. I can't. Look, Who look. is Hitachi's son? Hey, hey, look. I can't help it. A power tool had like some other Japanese power tool that had a son that was a demon. This isn't my fault that I can't pronounce anything on this fucking screen. I'm American. Oh, you're, you're talking about Metabo, the leader company in roofing nailers. Correct. And he, uh, then they uh, took on Husky, which then took on Husqvarna, which was a Latin American uh, company. And then, you know, it went from there. That's that's Tekken, right? Got, got that correct? Am I wrong? No? I mean, essentially, it makes about as much sense. Yeah, I tried picking up on the story here, and this was fucking confusing. Tekken does have the single largest Malaysian male I've ever seen, so why not? Who the hell is that? Pakum Ram. Is that the guy who does the Thai? Muay Thai? Yeah. It's one of them. Okay. He's Where's... the one who does it second best. Okay. Behind Sagat, right? He's he's in Tekken. No fucking help me. Horse, help me. <laughs> Save me from oh this shit. God. <laughs> I, I don't even I don't know what to say. Like I feel like he's just I'm doing it to be a dick. Deeper. I'm just been doing it to be a smart ass. I'm I'm not being serious. Right, right, right. Well well no, sometimes you do it unconsciously. It oh, just I... comes out of it comes out of your gob, it slaps onto the air, and I have to salvage the situation. So the the the, the name pronunciation I couldn't like I said, I haven't played Tekken in God two thousand three. So I remember it was like, yeah, Hayachi, but I couldn't remember. I was I was trying to read the name of the Kazuya, and I'm like, is that is that an M? So this is one of those moments where Browse normally says, where the hell are your glasses? And I have to tell him they're broken. But that I was our thing today. To the uh, Habitat for Humanity, they might have some glasses for you there. They'll just put me down. They'll be like, oh, I this don't... is a wild stray. Just, 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 like, just go to sleep. You're thinking of PetSmart. Oh. oh. <laughs> Same thing, right? Allegedly, I have no basis in this. I have I have not been dumpster diving in pet shops for weeks now, so I'm a I'm a reformed man. Wow. Please don't ask why I need those corpses. Well, yeah, water horse, you're going to say yeah, something. Yeah. What you were you were going to say something when I was uh, going on my tangent about me intentionally acting like a dumbass? I don't remember what I was going to say. I, I got you. Um, no, who here likes dead or alive? I like the never titties. Never played it, seen the titties. You I, know, somewhere under all the fan service, 
It's actually a decently workable game if you like parries and counters. But I have a feeling we all know why we're here. Uh, I just play the away volleyball. That's all you got to do. I mean, I'm there for that. No other point in playing it. Actually, if you're a king player, some of those command grabs are intense. Five strings? Five strings? That's 90% damage, yo. <laughs> Don't let them touch you. Yeah. And uh, a bad bad thing about his grab combos, there's only certain parts of the combo where you can break out of it. And if you miss those opportunities, you got to wait for like three more grabs. Jesus. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of damage he can do off grabs. If you hit the buttons, the right buttons at the right time, and your opponent doesn't know they can use things like some sort of burst mechanic or punching the player next to you, that usually breaks strings pretty well. See, that only works in person. Yeah. One play, you can't. I mean, I guess you could try and punch through the monitor, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> mixed, almost, mixed results. Yeah, yeah, when you feel your hand winding up for launching the controller, for yeeting it across the room, take a breath. Maybe consider to do something else. Maybe some balloon tower defense. That should calm me down. So what you're saying is... See, I was that way with uh, sports games. So uh, oh, I, I destroyed... Yeah, I destroyed a lot of controllers playing sports games. And this behavior was never challenged. So you grew up to be a well-adjusted adult. Who and, occasionally causes property damage. Oh, no, I haven't done it since I was like <laughs> 23. So it's been about eight years. So the situation happens. There's someone in the room that cares about you very much, and they have that please don't do this expression, and you just lock eye contact and say, spades a spade, and you throw that shit through the window. <laughs> no, I, what made me stop? It was almost similar to that, though. So the kid, the kid's mom would get angry at me, like, stop slamming your controllers. They're expensive. And I'm like, God damn it. I just, I'm pissed because something dumb happened. I didn't like losing. Uh, so one day, my oldest, who is about to be 11, uh, come strolling into the living room when I lived in an apartment up there, and I got mad, and I just lost a game on a field goal, and I yelled, God damn it, and I slammed my controller down. Well, it shatters the controller, the battery flies out, and hits her in the head, like dead between the fucking eyes, and she starts bawling, and I'm like, hmm, that was a dick move and not what I wanted to do. She had a nice welt between her eyes for like a week, and I was like, mm, <laughs> someone's going to assume that I just beat my kid and be like, no, 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 I just... Smash some property. No, no, no. I beat the controller. And the controller. And yeah, like, I, like, like my battery. Lateral damage. It's, it's not assault and battery. It's negligence. It's different. Yeah, it's just child abuse. I'm sorry. Like you, 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 one day you'll figure out the tangerines trick. One day. <laughs> Honey, eight's enough. <laughs> sorry. That's all I can think of. See, luckily, I've never, I've never gotten mad enough at a game to, like, break my controller i think i've like thrown my controller in my chair whenever i get up to walk away but i never like just chuck it on the ground oh, so no. i've never had like broken controller. i football spiked the shit out of them. i mean like i took it and like lifted as high as i could and just slammed those motherfuckers down and they were shattered into pieces and then i realized i couldn't play video games so uh i'd be pissed and be like god dang it now i have to save up to get a new controller <laughs> like son of a like why did i do that and i'd get mad and then, so I started buying two controllers and keeping one in a box. So when one would break, I would have a good one of the backup. It's it, just the smartest idea. So that's why there was just always extra controllers around. Oh, yeah. And only like one would work. 
you'd have like, hey, why do you have like 10 controllers? We can all play. Well, that one's left bumper stick doesn't work. That one's right thumbstick doesn't work. A, B, X, and Y are all missing on that one. And as you can tell, this one's just electrical pieces. And there's no faceplate or backplate. Like, oh. Like, yeah. You can't correct the behavior. At least have redundancies, right? Correct. That's what, that's what I tell all the criminals I arrest. Well, you can't fix what you're doing. Just make sure you have backup plans afterwards. See you next week! And you slam the car door. Yep. That's awful. Like, I swear I'm not, I don't care. But, yeah, no, that, that happens. So, uh, uh, Water Horse, you mentioned that you're into anime. Uh, I gotta know, what type of anime are you into, man? You into, like, the slice of life, action animes, shonen jump animes, fantasy animes? Um, uh, hentai? I'm more... Oh, wait. <laughs> you're like, I gotta well, rethink my answer. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Um, like, you can admit no, it. It's I'm I'm more into like shonens and uh, action animes. Uh, I'm a big fan of like Naruto, Shippuden. Oh my God. Both of those great. Uh, Attack on Titan. The bit that I've seen, I haven't seen all of it. Um, Akamega Kill. Good yeah. show. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, um, when I was when I was younger and didn't know what good anime was, I could have swore to you that Sword Art Online was the best show. Oh my god, a sword! Okay, so I will give Sword Art Online this: the first season is somewhat decent, and it just goes downhill from there. And everybody keeps telling me the, the season four, the one with their like Valhalla, whatever they are, is really great. I couldn't get past like the first two episodes, and I was like, I'm done. I've watched and this the, man uh, watched ninety percent of Black Clover, so he knows what he's talking about. Uh, oh, see, I started watching Black Clover, got really into it, and then I started watching it whenever I would fall asleep, and that's a terrible thing to do, because then I would end up three, four episodes ahead, not have any idea what's going on, and then just not care. Yeah, I, I did that with uh, One Piece when I first started it, and then I did that with Dra I never did that with Dragon Ball, because Dragon Ball came on after school. Um, but there are certain episodes shows that I'll watch, like uh, Full Metal Alchemist, I will not do that with i didn't do it with when i first started watching it now i can because i know what's going on and i can just hear it and i've watched it so many times i know what's about to happen like oh this is a scene yeah. where this does this and this and lust gets blown into smithereens and oh wait barry the chopper's about to die and you know so i can just sit there and in my head just like steal frame uh frame by frame play it in my mind i'm like i don't have to fucking watch it i just know what's going on but you said you were into the Shonen Jump anime, and you've watched Naruto, and you've watched Shippuden. Have you watched Boruto? No. Yeah, I, but the, can, can you explain why? I don't know. I, I plan on giving it a chance. Like, I at least want to, like, see it. Um, I've seen, like, some fight videos and all on YouTube, and... Some some fights are really good, but all of the really good fights are with original Naruto characters, and I know that that's going to come later in the show, and I don't want to watch the the bullshit like intro with all the kids and shit to get to the few scenes that I actually want to see. Oh come on, man! I thought you loved filler from all the shows you mentioned. Oh no, no, I I look up like lists of non filler episodes. Mm, you I'm, see. I'm not gonna watch 900 episodes of Naruto. Oh come but on now! Sorry, the experience. 
Sir, no. I'm on 752 of One Piece. You gotta step your game up. You gotta, you gotta that's, that's good for you? I, I don't even plan on touching One Piece. Filler or not. I, I have watched all of them in dub, by the way. So I had to literally oh, wow. wait multiple years for it to catch up. Because when I got up to episode like 300, like, well, God, it's the uh, Punk Hat. Oh, no, excuse me. Water 7 arc. Uh, it wasn't in English. So I was like, I'm done. And I was like, you know, what? I'll give it a try in Japanese. So I got up to 500. And I'm like, how many episodes? 700. Fuck this. So I just turned it off. And I haven't watched it in years. And now it just hit episode 1000. And I'm like, okay, if I stay at the pace I'm at and watch like one episode a week. By the time I finally get to episode 1000, it should be dubbed. I hope. Here's a, here's an option Chucks will never consider. I have not watched One Piece. But I feel reasonably caught up with One Piece. Because, speaking of filler, I'm a longtime enthusiast of the Musou games, the Warriors games. And because it's popular, the studio keeps getting paid to make One Piece Warriors. And in this last year, I played One Piece Warriors Pirates 4. And at the breakneck pace of jumping from highlight to highlight across story arcs, summarizing the show up to this point across maybe 20 hours of gameplay, I feel like my time is better served and I have a very personal connection to the various characters and their stories as expressed to the combos and power moves they beat out. So, I mean, I saved a lot of time. You, you did. Uh, you, don't, you didn't get the excitement, though, of, oh my god, Luffy discovered Geert! Like, because he well, fought these people, yeah. and... Because, because I bought that move, and suddenly Luffy was wearing blackface slash metal face, and I thought, this is an interesting turn of events. <laughs> uh, you mean the, the, the armament hockey? Yes. Whatever, whatever words you have to use to dodge the censors, yes, blackface Luffy was definitely a power jump. <laughs> it was. Uh, have you seen the, the, the fourth gear Luffy now, where he gets super... Oh, where he's where he's Raijin. Yeah, yeah where totally. he's super fat and has like red big built arms and you're just like, okay. Like that's the arc I just got done with. And that arc was 112 episodes and about 30 episodes in, I'm like, oh, this arc's about to end. So I texted my buddy Steven who is caught up with One Piece. He's like, oh no, dude, you got like 90 episodes left. That upsets me because you could have just played Osra's Wrath instead. I could have. Um, and and that, that would have been all the shonen experience you would have needed with not a Shota, but a protagonist that is just, he's powered by boiled piss alone because the world did him dirty and he is going to punch reality until he gets what he needs. And it's a pretty good season of anime that you occasionally push buttons on and mostly watch cutscenes and do quick time events, so it's barely a game, but I will sing its praises until the memory of it is extinguished. I, I, I did come close to pulling a boogie uh, and flipping a table. Um because I was pretty pissed when I found out I had 90 episodes. And, uh, and since then, that was about a week ago, I have now jumped 120 episodes ahead, and uh, that was the dumbest arc that could have been ended in, like, 60 episodes. And he's like, oh, just wait till you get to this arc, where it's, like, it's the current arc, and it's at 112, and it's you not even... You don't need the zeros. Yeah. You don't. It's unnecessary. I know it's what's happening. I understand we're talking about hundreds of episodes, but that, that's... I don't know. Horse... May I express my stance on anime at this point in my life? Let me hear it. Okay. Channel, know how I feel, but I'd like to say it for you, and you're welcome to attack and challenge me all you wish. 
I have seen enough 20 plus episode series that are concrete and do what they need to do and don't waste any time to really wonder what it is that I'm missing with multiple hundred of episode series that exist to exist. To have something to come home to and enjoy, even though rewatching them becomes more and more difficult as you tack on more seasons. And my experience is very skewed because as I was becoming aware that anime wasn't just Chinese cartoons as a kid, and there was more happening behind the scenes, series like Evangelion, Berserk, and Cowboy Bebop entered my life pretty early. So the curve of what was enjoyable was really skewed. Because, of course, when I was a young and I just, I just wanted the action, and if there was some titty along the way, I'll take that too. Why not? But those shows already had serious themes implanted within them that were difficult to ignore when they're absent in other series. So all the hype, action, etc., etc., that is available over a 265-episode arc of One Piece, I'm just going to turn over to my left and then point at Gurren Lagann standing right over there and say, explain why you can't do that. Are you familiar, Horse, with Gurren Lagann? Yeah, great show. Um, honestly, I, I understand where you're coming from. And in a lot of ways, I feel exactly the same. Because there's no need for 900 to 1,000 episodes, 12 seasons, like that. You, you don't need it. Um, some of my favorite shows, fucking Afro Samurai, like four or five episodes in a movie. Yep. And the movie's um, optional. Yeah. And uh, Samurai Shampoo, that's another one that I think's amazing, has all the yep. action character development you want. And another, it's, another Watanabe, uh, and also 26 episodes. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of it is people find IPs that just blow up and they just want to keep making money from it. And I mean, you can't really blame them. I mean, on the producer end or the consumer end? Uh, because after a while, you conflate your identity with One Piece. You've watched so many hours that you will not be challenged by your tastes. I like what I like, damn it. And I like Straw Hat Pirates. So that, I, I will give you this. So the only. In the past twenty something years, the only manga to dethrone One Piece as top selling manga was Attack on Titan, and that was in the first year it came out. And since One Piece has reigned back on top, and uh, Oda, the guy who is creating One Piece, has specifically stated that it will end in twenty thirty. So if you think about it, the manga has been out since ninety seven. The show came out in ninety nine. So we had two years of writing, and they've released an episode. Once a month for the past like twenty something years, except once once or twice maybe, and so he's got another ten years of writing, ten almost ten years of writing of uh, this manga that's going to be turned into a series. So this show's not going to end probably for another like eleven years, but people still buy it and they still like it. So I think that's what's driving it is that people enjoy what they enjoy, and he's like, I enjoy writing this, and I don't know what the end is, but I'll get there when I get there. And people are like, whatever, whatever happens, we'll do it. And that's so I, key. If the creator is having fun, like Toriyama sometimes, with the Dragon Ball shenanigans, let him do it. If it pays his bills and this is what he does, let that happen. But it's the further extraction and expansion of material that is sometimes problematic because changing mediums, even from pages to screen, can be very, very 
significant in its alteration to what you're experiencing in different crowds, different audiences. The kinetic motion that somebody can show in still frames and panel layouts is an entirely different experience from portraying the same scene through cuts and motion. Uh, question to Horse. Uh, have you been on the cultural zeitgeist train slash have you watched Arcane on Netflix? No. Okay. Uh, being, being someone who somewhat regularly plays League, like I, I feel like I probably should have, but nah. So... Uh, Chucks will have his bumbling words to express about Arcane, and I won't go too deep into it. Uh, I have very dim familiarity with League because it's been a persistent thing for over 10 years. And I went into the show without expectation of characters. I just saw a unassailable wall of positive impressions about this thing. And I thought, okay, I will give it a critical eye assessment. Uh, just having come off of forcing myself to watch the live-action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, knowing that it was going nowhere good, but giving it the mm -hmm. full critical treatment of, okay, let me see what you're doing here. And I was kinder than most people by saying, it's a shame about the writing, the actors are doing what they can with what they have, this was a flawed project, so its execution makes complete sense. Whereas with Arcane, I was there for the storytelling, I was there for the chance for it to do what it needs to do. One sec. And note, I have to note that this is a limited time project, meaning it took six years to make nine episodes. Six years. They took their time. I don't know these characters or anything. I'm not even there to say, ooh, it's my favorite, and that's going to be that champion. Wow. I'm here to tell the story they tell. And so, out of nine episodes, they create a three-episode arc to set things up and a six-episode arc to continue off of that arc. And the show is done. If they never make any more, but of course now they're renewed, it's okay. The story stands alone. It can be perfectly enjoyable for what they do. And the audacity of the show is that they use tropes. They use all the tropes. And you think this, is, this should be lame, but it isn't because they handle it with deft writing. So the show holds my recommendation for Horse based on the merits of the show. But of course, you're familiar with League, so you can see, oh, this is going to be this person. And this is going to be that, and it's going to be like this. And you might have those buffers and filters in place that take you out of the moment of what we're being told here as an audience, visually, audibly, and thematically. If that makes sense. Yeah. Still a solid recommend, but you will see it on different terms than I did. And uh, I'd recommend you do it, so that as you join us again in the future, we can hear your thoughts as somebody who is maybe less loquacious than I am, but definitely more collected than Chuck's is when he's trying to explain things. Honestly, yeah. I have the same opinion uh, that you did. Surprisingly there, bro. That's not surprising. I just use more words to say what you feel. Yeah, thank you. My bad to cut you off, Water Horse. Say something, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got stuff going on. I believe it. Uh, it's just... Well, okay, let me let me plug something that I also quite enjoy and it's repeat territory for Chucks, but uh, I'd like to tell Horse about this little show from a big property once he's available and I get a, some sort of signal confirmation that it's working. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did we lose Yeah, him? life happens. Uh -oh. We're back. We're back? We're back. Okay. Cool. So Horse, as a enthusiast of Animu, 
what is your familiarity with the Gundam verse? Mm. Um, like actual Gundam or just Gundam anime? Gundam anime as it exists at this moment, because there's a there's the main skeleton of the timeline, and there's all sorts of spiral shows that go off of it. I think I've seen like a couple episodes of I think like Voltron, but I uh, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Gundam anime. Did, and that's okay. Did, did he just say Voltron? He did say Voltron. Yeah, he pulled the chucks, but that's that's all right. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. That's why I wanted to ask. Like, did he just pull a me? Did I? Did, am did I not I? The, yeah, Voltron has nothing. Voltron's its own series. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, without needing to go into a 200 level course. Yeah, I mean, that's good. That, that tells me exactly what I need to know about the starting point. Uh, the main thing that connects most of the shows, and I, I do stress most, some of them don't do this, is uh, there's a pretty strong anti war sentiment throughout the entire series. Talking about empathy, humanity, and it's a damn shame we've got to shoot each other with space guns. So, it's curious that some of the shows are like Kung Fu tournament shows, and who's got the coolest, biggest robot, and what's going on there. But that's not the core of it. And we like the big death robots as we feel bad about the people having to pull the trigger. So it's based on that that I would like to pitch Horse, a standalone two-season Gundam anime I think you'll really enjoy. Is this IBO? You're going to spoil it. <laughs> okay. So it's a, it, is, it is one of the more recent Gundam shows that came out, and it's a standalone with its own timeline, so no prior knowledge necessary. Is that appealing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me further complicate this. Child soldiers, resource exploitation, Illegal surgery, forbidden tech, and um, a limited worldview in such a way that the protagonists that we follow throughout the show are, um, you kind of have to stop and think, should I be rooting for this? How does that make you feel? Conflicted, but it sounds really interesting. Good. But I feel like that's how I should feel about that. Yes. It is the kind of show that does do certain anime things. For example, one of the lead characters, several lead characters have just impossible hair. You see it, they go, okay, okay, we're doing this. You, this signals your characteristics as a person by way of visual representation at all times, and you'll probably rock this hairdo throughout the entire goddamn series, which they do. And I can forgive this. There's occasional things like, ah, drawing this body in a very specific way to make me look should i be pulling my pants down or are we like are we still doing important things with the plot mm -hmm. so there's certain things that you have to tolerate and the show has a sometimes uneven animation balance where they're saving money on talking scenes so they can put the money down when the action scenes happen if yeah. that makes sense and unlike virtually every other gundam show uh this is a show without beam weapons. So it's without not... Beam weapons. This is not space laser pew-pew. This is big fucking bullets and giant fuck-off sledgehammers battering each other to death. All right. And it's, it's pretty good. I would say if you do the classic anime test of the first three episodes, that will be 
pretty much the proving arc. I think it's it's written with that in mind, where it sets up events and resolves them at a click forward to see if you will enjoy this or you won't enjoy this. And it has a good amount of color as well. It's a, it's a visually satisfying show to see, even as events press it into deeper and deeper, uh, to use American terminology, uh, political quagmires as you move forward. Every time the, quote, good guys score a victory, the more conflicted you begin to feel. And minor spoiler for the end of Season 1 towards Season 2, the results of Season 1 are not an unequivocal positive. It creates a pretty problematic effect for the rest of the world. Okay. And, and let me interest you with the following tidbit that you don't give a fuck about. Um, the term Gundam is thrown around pretty loosely among general reference. In the OG show, there's only one. It's basically the code name for the super weapon. Like this is this is the King Kaiser. This fucking tank is a problem. We can't make very many. Like we can make one, basically. Yeah. When it shows up, it's a fucking problem. In this setting, for reasons we can't talk about, because don't reference the past, don't worry about it. Mobile suits exist. Mobile suits being the reference for bipedal combat platforms that are stronger than everything else around them. Uh, Gundams are basically relegated to noble house antique collections, and occasionally you dig one up. So, Gurren style, some went down in the past and just don't worry about it anymore. On top of this, there's a very specific list of Gundams. There's a specific number, I believe it's 72. 72 Gundam frames were created. And each one was named, as the records would show. And, uh, funnily enough, all of the names of the Gundams um, match the names listed in the Lesser Key of Solomon, which is a book commonly referred to in our world, in reality, as the list of the demons that exist. Really? So, again, minor spoiler, when our pivotal point character protagonist connects to a Gundam frame for the first time, this character is illiterate, because nobody ever bothered to teach him how to read, and it doesn't matter in his current life role anyway. And the display shows all the things happening on the, the, the HUD. It's like, ah, eh, this is just junk data. And then the surge of connection reveals its name to the character. And it's clearly taxing, but why would this battle machine whisper its name to you? Yeah. And then, you know what usually happens in, in, in demon stories, right? Uh, I have a fairly good idea. Well, they offer power, but that shit ain't free. Everything comes with a price. So I think you should really check out Mobile Suit Gundam colon Iron-Blooded Orphans, available on Netflix as of checking a couple days ago. Because it will start off feeling like sort of a big dumb robot show, but I don't recommend things on that basis. I recommend them based on subtext, on events, dynamics, political expressions, interpersonal relationships, and okay, every now and then sick-ass action. And it lasts 50 episodes, 25 for season one, 25 for season two. It wastes a small amount of time. I think you'll have a pretty solid experience if you would like to take a look at it. Arcane first. Arcane first. And Arcane first. That, yes. those, are, those are the browbeat recommends at this point. All right. There'll be more. So I have one for both of you to watch. And uh, I just want to clarify when, before I start running my mouth here. And if anybody's going to, Anthony, you weren't going to throw anything at him about IBO or Arcane, are you? Before I start. No. All right. No, you, um, you both like 
uh, comedy, correct? You like the laugh? You like dumb, stupid lines used in shows? Uh, I like getting a, a few giggles in here and there. So Some people would call me a, a, a buzzkill these days, but despite that, I still enjoy laughing. I am going to recommend this show to you. It, the story is going to sound stupid, um, but the way this is the only show that I would say that if you watch it in English dub, it is the best for what it was. Um, the show's oh, no. called the show's called Ghost Stories. Uh, yeah, the, you know what I'm about to talk about. I know, but please reveal it. <laughs> Ghost Stories is a, uh, a, a Japanese uh, anime about four, well, five school children and their adventures on taking out these demons uh, from an old abandoned school. Anthony. <laughs> Um, sorry, I could hear that in the background. Um, and their adventures on trying to take these demons out. Uh, they are given a book. Uh, the book was left in the old abandoned school by the main character, Satsuki's mother. Uh, and what it does is it tells them how to exercise these demons. Well, this is a 20 episode series. It's very short because it didn't do very well. Uh, and so when it came to America, essentially all they were told was, Keep the characters' names, keep the story, don't care what the dialogue is. And I will say, this has to be one of the funniest fucking animes I've ever watched in my life. Even the ones that are intentionally being funny, these ones were just like, look, I the, like we're just going to throw out random stuff and it doesn't matter. Uh, and they do it very well, and it makes me laugh, and it puts a smile on my face. So when I'm ever in a bad mood or I just need something to laugh to, I have been watching this. I'm only on episode six. Uh, I... Got a very f first episode, though. I think one of the funniest lines that I uh, laughed at was that uh, monsters only eat evil people like Republicans. Now, I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> I'm not a Republican either. But just hearing that made me put a chuckle on my face. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about it. And hearing a series like this and just if you ever have downtime just to sit down and watch it. It is on Amazon Prime Video if you have Amazon Prime Video. Would you call this the polite version of Blazing Saddles? where the voice cast and the writers basically said, we don't get one of these very often. They said blank check. Let's go. Essentially, you, you, some of the stuff, like, there's a picture of Sasuke's mom. is like, and so the, the one girl is a super, super Christian. And so she comes walking up. She's like, oh, who's the lesbian in the photo? I mean, lady. Because she kind of looks like my instructor at the, what is it, the homosexual conversion therapy for Jesus camp. And you're just like, the fuck did she just say? First episode like three quarters of the way in, you're just like, oh dear God, this is going to get fucking nuts. And I loved it. I have loved every moment of it. Um, <laughs> they, they poke fun at each other. So the one, the older girl is, like I said, a born again Christian. And she, one episode she's talking about being at the hospital and how she used to like, she, she can, she's like a second grader. So she's like, I remember like sucking dick for crack money and having sex all the time. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then, it cuts to this little Jewish boy and she's like, what the hell's wrong with little Jewy boy over there? And like, Oh my God. Like, so they had no, it was just free reign and it's a good time. I recommend it. I would have to put this in like, if I did a top 10 list of best anime, I'm definitely watching this one every time in English stuff, getting a laugh. It was many years ago when I first came around this and I wasn't paying attention to the scathing social commentary, but when the cat calls out in scene, wow, that was actually some decent animation. Let's have a little round of applause, everybody. That was a very memorable moment for me. Uh, whoever does the little boy, I laughed really hard at because he doesn't even really do words. He's just like, oh my God. And they're like, oh my God, is he retarded? 
And at the end of one episode, the cat looks at him and was like, I think they're right. I think you are retarded. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, dear God. It's, it's important to note that this was this was produced and recorded in a less sanitized verbal environment. So okay. we find the words very amusing, but I I caution myself to not be as expressive as I can be at certain pieces for public consumption purposes. Yeah. But behind closed doors, we can use all the slurs we want. Oh, yeah, no, no. It is, I think it, as you said, this was just, hey, here's free reign, have a good time, just make it the most offensive, who cares what happens. Blaze the battles. Yep. Like, oh my god, the sheriff is near, we're gonna go with that. Like, let's do this. Um, so I liked it. I, I've enjoyed it so far, and I think it's a hilarious anime, even though the genre is horror supernatural, it's definitely a black horror comedy. It, it, gives, a, it gives a thumbs up, two thumbs up. Uh, I'm gonna give the Siskel and Ebert two thumbs up on this one. Not three thumbs up? Uh, well, I'd be deformed if I had three thumbs up, so no. No, 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 your lower thumb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that, that. Then three thumbs up. I will give it three thumbs up. Does that uh, sound interesting, Horse? Does that sound like something you'd want to enjoy? I would, uh, I would check it out. Just because, like, free, free reign comedy... I could see them taking that quite a few ways. I just wouldn't be expecting. Um, and the fact that it's like a horror ghost story show, but it's still rooted with that much comedy makes it interesting to me. I'd check it out. Unintended comedy. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean, no, you, this is a serious documentary about ghosts. <laughs> okay. We'll go with that. Not. Yeah. Nowhere near close. Um, like I said, this is kind of a new anime for me. That's why I wanted to recommend it. Brow or Water Horse, have you guys decided to dip your toes into something you've never watched before recently? And like, try to watch it again. Or try to watch it. Succeeded in multiple of things, but we'll let Horse go first. Okay. Um, not really. Uh, I tried... Well, actually, I take that back. I tried to get into watching... Uh, Jet Set Radio speed running because uh, I have very fond memories of that game from being a, a younger child, and uh, I just wanted to see people break that game to its limits. And all of the speed runs that I've found are either no commentary or the person that's like playing and commentating is just not interesting and. I don't want to just sit there in silence and watch 30 minutes of low res, like inline skating. So I'm not going to cut you off here and I don't mean to. Uh, yeah. Bomb soundtrack though. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, oh, the, the soundtrack plays while, you, while the game's going on. So if anything, you could just be like, well, this has no commentary time to get down and just start like busting a move. Like <laughs> fuck this. Might At be. that point, I can just put on the soundtrack, though. Ah, you already have it on on YouTube, so fuck it. <laughs> like, just, yeah. <laughs> have both on? Yeah. But just have it be off by three seconds? Oh, no. <laughs> that would that would hurt my brain. Yeah. Well, oh. uh, when it comes to that and, and, and to uh, speedruns, unfortunately, we have a, a Goku hitting Super Saiyan 3 situation because you say push the game to its limits. No, they go further beyond. Whenever you look up a GGDQ of a game that you have fond memories of, they're not playing the same game. It's scary. Yeah, that's a fair point. 
the the first time I saw a original Resident Evil 2 speedrun, I about shit my pants. My favorite part of the game is when I skipped seventy percent of the game, and I the guy beat it in like twenty five minutes, and I'm like, well, my life is ruined. I got to see none of the game, and this guy just blew right through this. Fuck my life. I'm like, okay. And then the Why? new one, uh, the new Resident Evil remake, two remake, has been done in forty five minutes. I think it's the quickest speed run. Jeez. Yeah, that's it like might a- go quicker. It just depends on how fast we can hack some more shit. Mm-hmm. And I do stress hack because that's basically what it is. It's it's battering uh, code parameters with intrusion opportunities because. Whenever they say you can roll through this wall and skip this chunk, you can roll through other walls. They just lead nowhere. So we're showing you the one productive thing we did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've have you ever heard of Resident Evil 4's big glitch that causes people to do speedruns? No. It's called the Dipman glitch. So if you do, if you're up near a fence, I believe, in the first stage, and you switch weapons in your case multiple times, it will glitch you through the fence. And then all of a sudden your character just is super fast. So you're just like speeding through the game. So you can just run through that first stage and no one can touch you. And by the time you're done, um, you can beat the game. I think the quickest without Dipman Glitch is like three hours. And with the Dipman Glitch, it's like an hour. And that game's long. It's ridiculous. So they shaved off quite a bit of time with that. Yeah, because you're literally just flying through. It's like your feet aren't even moving. You're just doop, you don't even have to really shoot oh anything. God. And so you just run to the next spot where the boss is. You kill the boss. You just then it'll reset you. You do the dip and glitch again. You go running off again. You're just like, oh shit, man. Like, the equivalent is is you saying, oh hey, I like open mic. I'll show up, and you sit down at your favorite spot, and then they have a brilliant musician on, who is giving a, a freestyle demo on atonal music. And you're staring at it, and your brain is oozing out of your left ear, and jizz is coming out of your right ear, and you don't know what's happening, but you might be into it, but you're too scared to find out, so you go home. Like, it's masterclass musical theory on display, and it's fucking impenetrable. Yeah. I know what you're doing is complicated, and I am not having fun. (laughs) Um, It hurts my brain to even think about the ways that this works. I appreciate being able to see you do it. I'm going to tip you and then stab you to death in the back alley so this never happens to anyone else. <laughs> um, besides With my the, erection. Goddamn. <laughs> uh, besides the uh, Jet Set Radio speedruns, anything else like anime, movies, anything else new you've watched or are you just uh, kind of just deciding to jam out with that? I've been going back and rewatching things lately like Akamega Kill. I went back and started rewatching that. Um, I started rewatching the show Peaky Blinders because they're coming out with another season here soon. I think it's, I believe it's the final season, isn't it? And then they're doing a movie. Yeah. Um, we're doing this last season, and then I think it's going to be a year or two before they put out the movie. Have you? Uh, not to hop back on anime. Have you seen the show? Same with you, Brow. I think I've mentioned it to you before. It's one of my. Are you into slice of life uh, animes? Me. Both of you guys. Either one of you. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all right. It it goes, I guess, show to show in a genre like that for me. Well, this is this is like a slice of life slash romantic comedy. Have you ever seen the show Toradora? Only heard of it. Uh, it, this might be a show for you, Brow, to watch with your uh, your wife. Uh, I enjoy it. 
at the same time I found the movie uh, A Shape of Voice or A Silent Voice, I found this show, and I quite enjoy it. So if if you're into Slice of Life or romantic comedy TV, sh- uh, like anime shows, this one isn't a bad one. I would give it a a, a pretty good rating if it was top-tier romantic comedy anime. So I, just check I, it out. My wife is very, very fond of a show called The Oran High School Host Club. Oh, dear God, I know what that's about. That I've heard of that. <laughs> when we're watching it, Yes, she's rocking nostalgia feels, and I'm, again, immersing myself as well as I can into the show. The problem is my animu bullshit filter keeps getting clogged up, and I have to, like, rinse it and shake it off because there's so much animu happening. that is, Some people love it. They eat it up. They're just, oh, so quirky, and then we're doing this trope when they do the thing in the pose, and then this happens, and then this happens. But I can tell... I could... Excuse me. I can tell there's heart in that show. I can tell it's well made. I know the creators want to do more stuff, possibly even Toradora. I know that studio is successful, but this particular expression of a fish out of water, poor person in an exclusive academy learning life lessons about how love knows no genders and other things like that. Yeah, there's good stuff here, but it's presented in a fashion that I find challenging to enjoy. Much like Avatar, Last Airbender Book 1. It was very challenging to enjoy. Because it kept reminding me consistently that it was a Nickelodeon cartoon for kids. And all the world building was supplanted by milk toast writing. Not not to stop you here for a second. How's season two going for you? We're into book three. Ooh. My upset at the end of book two of Avatar the Last Airbender, the seminal classic everybody fucking loves, um, is that right before the three part finale of book two. The characters did a little bit of growing up and progression. And then they found two extra pairs of stupid socks. And then everyone put some on, and everyone did big betrayals and big dramatic swings that were completely contrary to the arcs that were launched upon, just so they have more things to do in book three. And I had big issues with the in- internal incoherence that the characters portrayed. Because we're doing big drama, not clever plays. Which, again, further reinforces, as we're told more so in Book 3, that avatars is a continuous consciousness across different people have a completely different perspective on life. But, spoilers, I guess, question mark for a show no one's seen. Everyone's seen. When when the specter of a prior avatar reveals to our new protagonist, the nine-year-old kid, their references of life and how their experiences went... They talk about stuff like, it took me 35 years to figure out myself, the elements, the world, and the balance, and that caused further problems with a lifelong friend who had ambitions of conquering the world, and I just wouldn't have that shit. But you got to master all this shit in three months by the time summer's over. Just become the Avatar. Good luck. Over, over semester. Good luck. It's farcical. It's hard to enjoy, because the show is relying on Chuck's ADHD. You're just going to forget the last scene and move on to the next shiny thing. Indeed. And it's hard because because the show looks good, because it's stylish, because clearly there's care on display here, and it's aggressively not for me. But I'm indulging my spouse. I'm enjoying all the pieces that I can, and much to her chagrin, I am calling out all the nonsense when the writers clearly disagreed on what they should be doing. And it's little inside baseball stuff like, oh, why doesn't Uncle Iroh talk for the beginning of season three? Oh, it's because the voice actor died between seasons, so they had to give it a respectful 
run of silence before the new new person comes in and voices them. He already the, so on that last episode when they uh, yes when he sings that's when he took over. So yeah, that yeah. was yeah because he died like yeah. I think a quarter in the way to that episode, and they were that's, just like, that's, oh, that's fuck. the important part. Yes, that's the important part. But fun fact that that's the guy who replaced him. That's all he's known for is doing voice voiceover work that's similar to that guy Mako. Uh, is the original voice actor the guy who replaced him? That's all he's done because he can get his voice so close. So he's replaced him as Aku and a bunch of other characters that he was doing. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Just like Luke Skywalker graduated to being the Joker. Mm-hmm. And did a bunch you know, of other things. Was, did you know that Mako was in the Conan films? Was he really? The racist stereotype Asian wizard man. Yeah. Wait, he's also in Big. No, no, he's not in Big Trouble, in Little China. That's somebody else. You're thinking of James Hong. <laughs> I, uh, yes, Kung Fu Dad from from Kung Fu Panda. This is not a can you want to open. I know more than you. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. That's why I stopped. I was like, nope, nope, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm shutting up. <laughs> uh, so I, I just I just need to weigh in on this. I'd have a factoid to do that. No, no, I, I don't. I knew I was wrong. Right, that's open. I was like, no, I'm wrong. I remember that. Uh, the Ghost Door is the show you should go check out. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna confirm this with Ghost. Have you seen? Uh, Legend of Korra, Ghost. Who's Ghost? Water Horse. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I have <laughs> Ghost stories still up. Hard. <laughs> I have Ghost um, stories up, so I can catch it on the corner of my eye. My bad. <laughs> I've uh, I've seen a few episodes, and it wasn't Avatar, and I was expecting Avatar, so I went back and watched Avatar. <laughs> so I would recommend. Or Brow, if he doesn't like Avatar, he'll like Legend of Korra because it is, it's not as bad on the kitty, you know, like you said, like here's some French toast, get on the way, ADHD type people. It's more like, hey, there's some in depth shit that you're going to have to learn. There's treasonous backstories and everything that you have to involve yourself with. Uh, I would recommend that uh, if you don't like uh, Avatar. But with Toradora, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. It follows two people uh, a girl named Taiga and a boy named Ryuji. And their attempts to try to fall, get these their two friends to fall in love with each other. So uh, in that, hijinks and stuff ensue. And in the end, uh, Taiga realizes she actually wants Ryuji. Um, but the in-between and all that is really, really good. And I would recommend you guys watching it. And then if you come back to me and be like, hey, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen, uh, remember that I recommended it to you and don't be surprised either. When you say Ryuji... Mm-hmm. There's a number of characters named that that I'm I can pull from for visual reference before I see the show. So I'm choosing the antagonist of Yakuza 2, who is a seven foot tall blonde Japanese man with a scar and sometimes only one arm because the other arm is a Gatling gun. So that's the slice of life I'm picturing right now. So he is the Japanese that's version of like Barrett a... from Final Fantasy 7. Just like, yeah, I got a Gatling gun on my left hand. Specifically yeah. in Yakuza Dead Souls, which is a game nobody remembers. Yeah, that's a slice of life I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, they got great noodle shops, and like the hostess bar scene is off the charts. So, if if y'all like slice of life, Yakuza is the fucking series for you. <laughs> uh, I still need to play those, but uh, not not to pop back on this. So in this one, they're supposed to be like the hard asses of the school that, but everybody has them pinned wrong. So that's yeah. the whole thing. Yakuza. So yeah, Yakuza. essentially, yeah, Yakuza. <laughs> Except did it's you in know that for 97% of the runtime of the Yakuza series your character is not in the Yakuza I did not okay I'm just saying it's 
fucking worth your time. I, I, Maybe, I remember, not all of them. Maybe not all of them, but you have you have mentioned to me that we have to play that for the channel. Yeah, no, I'll absolutely co-pilot the shit out of that. All right, you you got to push the buttons. Say, oh, action uh, character action games are hard. Well, stop hitting the one button. Did you know you could step to the side? Did you was that aware? No. Were you aware the weapon combos exist? Hey, do you know if you're a specific distance away from that bike rail, you could just brain the guy. Oh shit. Hot sauce is a weapon. But so is punch. Whoa. Well, actually over here in in these in these here parts, sir, we prefer bicycle fencing. Oh, bicycle fencing? Oh shit. Bicycle fencing. I feel like as soon as I learned how to do that, I wouldn't be punching it. I, it's a dominant strategy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> hey, man, I want to like, pick a fight with you. Um, I'm three feet away from a bike. <laughs> Never mind, sir. Please have a good day. <laughs> That's uh-huh. terrific shit. Yakuza 0 and Yakuza 7 are an excellent entry points into this franchise, and maybe one day we'll get to that. Maybe one day. Uh, Chucks. You wanted to ask if I saw anything new. Yes. Because what the one thing this this podcast is lacking is uh, me saying things. So let me just say some more things. Uh, the Twilight Saga has successfully allowed the media world to forget for about 10 years that Robert Pattinson is a very capable actor. And a few years ago, about two years ago, I watched a film on a whim on Netflix called Good Time that I think I talked to Chucks about expressing that it's one of those specific genre films that follows a scumbag that you would never want to do anything with in real life. But you can't look away when it's being filmed, because this is a person that just, everything is an angle. They could just do that. So, remembering that I heard good things about a certain film, I watched The Lighthouse on Amazon Prime. Does anybody know what this film is? That is the black and white film that he does with uh, William Defoe. That is correct. Horse, any experience when you get a chance? Uh, no, I haven't heard of it or seen it. Okay. Uh, I would call this one of them challenging watches because it is not interested in showing you a modern film rhythm. It is doing its own thing on its own goddamn time. And it's... It's fair to say that the movie is about two employees, a senior and a junior, sent to do a job for four weeks. Got to spend time together. They don't know each other. They're going to get to know each other. And there's clearly a dominance hierarchy strategy. And I would say that this film is deeply delving into the male psyche in ways that are very true and very sincere, very honest. But if you never stop to look at your own navel and think about life a little while, it might be off-putting. And Chucks, if you want to be puerile, Jism uh, does feature in the film. But then, what part about two men in a building for four weeks is surprising to you? Mm, nothing. So, if you watch it sincerely and honestly, I, I can't say too much, because the, the film begins grounded and continues to introduce questionable elements that make you really curious about, okay, is this in one or both of their heads? What is happening? Have you recommend based on cinematography, pacing, and one of the it to my memory single best, best monologues from Willem Dafoe. Electrifying. 
Because you don't tell this man that you don't like his cooking. You just don't. <laughs> it is... You know how... Um, how, how do you guys say this down there in the, in the Deep South? You know when you cuss someone out? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is Willem Dafoe cussing someone out. Oh, damn. For about a 40-second string. <laughs> and he doesn't repeat any words. And they're not dirty words. But you can, you can, you can tell Dad's disappointed. So, uh, The Lighthouse gets a huge recommend if you're in the mood for a art house style film that has a lot of very sincere tones that it tells you in sideways ways. Uh, if you're really sensitive to animal cruelty, there's like maybe a couple of scenes that'll upset you, but I mean, Chucks, you know what I'm talking about. Bitch Bird had it coming. Yeah. Uh, that's one. The very next day, uh, because uh, I have what some people would call uh, sleep issues. I was watching another film that I'd seen on Netflix. And whenever I see Netflix original on something, I usually give it a pass because I just have no confidence that it has any sort of quality attached to it. But this is a movie that Netflix published called The King. Are you gentlemen familiar? It's about Richard III. Yeah. Correct. Yep. That's all I know about it. And has, what's his name? Oh, fuck, I can't remember his name. It has, it, Pattinson's in it. He plays... I've only seen the trailer of it. I want to watch it. That's, That's another one that I haven't heard of. It Well, it has a generic name. And some would argue that it's kind of like a, a mirror picture. like The same way that um, Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima are partner or sister films, you call it that way. This could go hand-in-hand-ish with Braveheart, but has a very different tone and focus. It's basically the story of the other side in a similar time period. But the the history of any places geopolitics are very complicated we can just reduce it down to oh some men in armor hit some other men with armor in the mud yeah i mean that happened but if that's all you care about then you're missing a lot of it but sure there's that uh it does feature timothy chalamet prominently that's it as well as other actors that i whose names at the moment i'm not looking up but i've seen them at other properties where you need to have uh thin-faced leathery worn old men and Timothy recently got a, a big extra, extra exposure push through being in Dune, which I would say that this actor continues to perform quite well. There is a very noticeable choice that might bug certain people watching this movie, is that almost everyone in the film speaks very evenly and very quietly. You can hear them. You can hear their words. But subtitles might help, because this is kind of their tone. Nobody's really that excitable. Everyone kind of does this. And is that throughout the whole movie? About 80, 85% of the film is like this. It's people talking to each other in confidence and addressing and discussing things because politics are difficult. It's that. And that could annoy you, for sure. But when people get loud, the payoff is that much more noteworthy. And they do get loud. But if your ears and brain bug you when people are basically mumbling to each other, articulately, you can hear them, but it's that even tone. I noticed. I'm sure others have as well. That might be a challenge to your experience. Uh, but don't worry, Pattinson being in the movie does a beautifully audacious, good-bad French accent. I mean, I'm sure it's very deliberate. And uh, he's a guy you love to hate. That he, He's not there for very much. Maybe, maybe a quarter of the film. Maybe less than that, actually. But by and large, it's a succession story from a prince who doesn't want to be king, and that circumstance forces him to be king. And he 
has to fill up shoes very quickly that he's not fit to wear, has a lot of good ideas and good plans, and then consistently they don't go the way he wants them to. So he does a big heroic thing, because fuck France, right? And the film will end on the consequences of that decision. Uh, the movie would also like to remind you that daggers do work. Uh, never underestimate a sharp piece of metal within reach, especially when gaps in armor plating are involved. So just just PSA for you out there. All y'all's wearing chainmail and full plate. <laughs> Knives suck. Just letting you know. <laughs> is is that is that a is that a slit I see? Oh, I'm sure there's something vulnerable in there. Shouldn't have left the meaty insides unprotected. I mean, he was basically just asking for it at that point, you know. <laughs> I got a hard thing I got to put somewhere. <laughs> and all that implies. So that's two movies that I really enjoyed and watched. Uh, there, of course, have been more because I can't help myself. But um, I will... Do we, if I bring up games now, does that change everything? or? No, you're good. Uh, I do have to ask you a question. Have you seen The Outlaw King yet? No, that's the one with Chris Pines who plays uh, Robert the Bruce. Uh, I would recommend that one too. If you if you it, liked The King, you would like this one. Is it new? Uh, 2018. Does it say Netflix original on it? It is. That it can get in fucking line. Got it. I just wanted to give you a heads up about it. Sure, sure, sure. No, I, I Chris Pines a good actor. It's an interesting subject. I just I'm now extra conscious of period piece films because some of them are made for pretty pictures and some of them are made to convey a point. And it's really hard to tell from the beginning, from the outset, how it is. Because the king had a chance to fall down and shit itself. But I think the finale of the movie solidifies it as a movie I can recommend. As opposed to, oh yeah, they have some interesting castle interiors and those tapestries. Oh, the, the, the fabric and the clothing. You guys got good good props for this film. Yeah. No, it actually did go somewhere interesting. All right. Well, so, uh, Robert the Bruce, go ahead. No, no, go no ahead. I was going to say, you go ahead with uh, the games that you were wanting to chat about. Uh, so, I've been in a weird quasi-stalemate with the end of Dark Souls 3, because I have maybe the last quarter to run through the game, but of course my ass went to the DLCs before that happened, so I've been raising my numbers to be able to contend with the environment on a pretty casual basis at this point. And then I hit one boss, it's an optional fight that I don't have to pursue, but then all of a sudden that boss goes, your numbers don't matter. You could sort of hang, but if you don't bring help, it's going to be a very annoying experience. Because I just have more hit points than everything else does, so fuck you. And that just put me in a mood lock where, uh, for horses' benefit, I, I've been doing the cycle. That being Bloodborne, Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, and then Sekiro is on the horizon before I go back to Neo. It's a long story. But I decided I'm tired of being on the sidelines of the Souls environment. I would like to feel it. I would like to really dig into these games. And I have, and I have things to say, but I've already said some of them. So I didn't want to... I, I don't know how the end phase of Dark Souls 3 is going to feel, so I thought, I have some other indie games in my collection that I've always, quote, meant to get to, and since it's so good with the king, I want to check them out. And uh, I thought of Chuck's especially in the middle one. I ended up playing in succession, and they're short, so over like five-day period, I played The Witness, Donut County, and Greece. Now, I remember Chuck some time ago gave me a review of Donut County that sounded something like, yeah, I beat it in an afternoon. It's kind of simple. Whatever. I, did. I did a very simple one. It's just about a raccoon and a girl who were 
swallowing things up in this town into this hole because the raccoons need to collect trash. It's a very wild, untrue. That kind of grossly simplifies what's happening. Yeah, I, I did a very, very simple bullshit. What I remember about it from like six months ago. The horse. We need you to be the median point where you can communicate like a real person, unlike me, but mm -hmm. offer a little more detail on things, more so than trucks. Indeed. Um, I haven't played Donut County. Um, but everything that I've seen from it, it kind of just looks like a game where you go around swallowing things. On its mechanical level, yeah, that's how it go. It's so like I'll go hooker. kind of in order here. Not, huh? not, I said it's like a hooker. It just keeps swallowing things. Well, not for free. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'd be a bad hooker. We'll uh, the Witness is a game that was pretty contentious when it released about five years ago. And weirdly enough, since I'm a video essay hound on YouTube, not a lot of conversations being had about this game. Uh, it is piss simple. It's just that that simplicity is thoroughly convoluted over time. And to lean into the trope, yeah, it's the Dark Souls of Walking Simulators. <laughs> because it's once you figure out what the game wants from you, you just do that with greater complexity. But you get to have a relationship with the environment around you. You're on an island, and you're going to feel the map of that island in your mind very deeply. You'll know what's where, you'll know where to go, and you'll have memories of certain places within there. It's sliding puzzles. The entire game is sliding puzzles. It's guide the line from the starting dot to the ending dot, and abide the rules of the puzzle board in front of you. Switches are get it from A to B. But most boards say, all right, here's your 4x4 grid, and you have to draw a Tetris shape with your line to solve the puzzle. Or you have to make sure to separate these two tiles. Or you have to encircle this tile etc. It's really simple, but as puzzles go, they're going to give you some easy passes, and then they're going to just give you some difficult solutions. So similar to a chessboard snapshot saying, get check in two or mate in four moves. It's like that. Yeah. Now, the game is very colorful. Uh, the environments are desolate. There's no people. There's only uh, statuaries of petrified people. It is relentlessly colorful, so it's a pleasure to see those environments, which is weird because if you want to walk in the park, then why would you have to solve six puzzles in a row to open a door to go to the next section of the park? Mm -hmm. uh, I could see this being super annoying, and the conventional wisdom of the game was play it for a bit, walk away from it, think about it, come back and solve it. Uh, this is not what I did. I think the first area and a half I did natively, and then I just cracked open a guide and just read every puzzle solution as I went along. Because I saw what it was doing. I understood I would have no fun bashing my head against the concrete wall. So I just walked my way through, saying, okay, do this, then do this, then do this, then do this. The challenge types were interesting. And there's a fair bit of hidden perspective puzzles throughout the world. So if you re realize, oh, wait, if I stand here and look at it like that, <gasps> that's a slidey bit. And then you would execute the slidey bit and feel really clever about yourself. But if you're a completionist, this is a nightmare because the game has many, 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 many completion bits. So I don't recommend it if you're compulsively driven to do all the things, even though you hate it, Chucks. <laughs> and the final area of the game, the culmination, your, your, your progression checkpoints are you go to an area, you do all of its puzzles, and you activate a beam laser. That laser shoots up to the top of a mountain into a collection array. And so when you've done all the puzzles in the world that have lasers attached to them, 
you go to the top of the mountain, you solve some more puzzles, it opens up into a basically a doom mountain lair, and you will finish those puzzles to then get release from what this is. And if you're super cheeky, in the second to last puzzle room of the game, you can activate a little portal door that you step through to activate nightmare mode, uh, if that's what you really want. I didn't do that part because fuck that. But it's the, the final area of the game, the mountain, it takes puzzle mechanics you should have learned by now, even though I didn't because I just used a guide, and it continuously aggressively attacks your ability to perceive what's happening with screen effects, color changes, or just flat out being hard to see. Now this makes sense. The game has been all about perspective, attention, player positioning. All the hints are there, just know where to stand and look. Uh, this is like the, the boss rush version of that. Until you hit a door that offers perhaps the ultimate challenge or the pop quiz, which is randomized puzzles. Mm-hmm. You have 40 seconds to solve it when it's revealed to you, or it resets. Oh, and God. The style of the puzzle, that is fixed. That is locked. The right panel will be one style of puzzle. The left panel will be a different style of puzzle. And I sat at that random left panel for close to an hour. Seriously contemplating, saying, okay, this is as far as I go. I know I made it 90% of the way. I'm done. But I, did, I didn't brute force it, perhaps. But when I consulted the, uh, the guides or the trophy hunters or whatever to see what they were doing, these guys seem to just get an easy layout on their first try. Just walk up to the door. Oh, yeah, it's this. And then that's not the layouts I was getting. So I got through the hell doors. And then there's an extra, I'm going to use the word fucky, set of pillar puzzles, because it's not a flat sheet of paper or a panel. You have to walk around the pillar to see what you're doing. Okay, those got done. I figured it out. Very clever creator of game. Nice. And then you go into an elevator, and this is very painful for me specifically. My personality is such that when I affect the world state in a game that has permanence, the world stays that way. When you enter the elevator to freedom, if you will, it launches you up in the air and you float throughout the world that you've seen, which should be a reward. Like, look at all these things that you've done. Except as you're flying over the world, you see the lasers packing themselves back in their boxes and deactivating, and the world resets. And then it plants you at the beginning of the world, saying, here you go, play again. (laughs) And that left a... I mean, I understand the message. Throughout, you can find audio logs that give you quotes carefully arranged and gathered from various philosophers, and it's all about impermanence and perspective and meditation and time spent within an environment. It's not about what you do, it's what you what you achieve through your passage through the place. I get all that. It feels pants-shittingly bad to have done this, and then not just get told, start over a new game, but to watch it unravel and yeah, then to have it just do. wiped in front of your face. Slowly. Slowly, indulgently coasting mm. through the beautiful environment, saying, You remember those puzzles? Weren't those fun? Aren't you excited to do it again? <laughs> it, it affected me negatively, emotionally speaking. Um, with the game, I still have positive things to say about the environments themselves. It, it takes a specific kind of appeal to say, I love slidey puzzles and I love like brain scratchy things. To me, I love me some board games. I really, really do. And um, there's a certain elitist approach to chess. Because, I mean, motherfuckers that are good at chess are really good at chess. But mm-hmm. chess doesn't hold my attention very much for very long. I'm 
competent at chess. I'm not good at it because I don't want to invest the hours to be that good at it. Uh, to use a stereotype, I'm neither an old Jewish man or a hard knocks man from Harlem just slapping down fools in the park because I'm that good. Mm-hmm. Well, I feed the pigeons. Chess is, I, I give it respect, but the abstraction doesn't hold me the same way as other things do. On the other hand, I've been told I would really enjoy playing Go because Go is a, it's a play environment and the game is not the same pretty much each time because there's not a solved set of moves. They're just preferred strategies based on what the players do. And it's also an accounting game because just slapping down more pieces does not mean you'll win. So I'm very interested to find that out, even though it's abstraction based on white and black pieces. The positions are much more interesting to me than, oh, my opponent did this move, so I have to use one of these four responses. Oh, they did that in response to my response. If I consult the manual, it's this move. Like, that's less interesting for me over time. Anyway, if that makes any kind of sense, there you go. That's the witness. The witness is very colorful and simple, but frustrating. Uh, Donut County is a game that whose creator borrows quite a bit from Katamari Damacy, if you gentlemen know what that is. Yes. Horse? Yeah. Cool. So instead of making things bigger, you deny things mechanically. You make the hole bigger so everything falls into the hole and ends up under the town. Yes, there's a raccoon. And the raccoon is an asshole, is self-indulgent, and just really wants to grind rep on this app that he has. And if he does that, he gets a sweet quadrocopter, because the raccoon kingdom is powered by quadrocopters. And the game, of course, is a very cheeky, nonsensical rumination on selfish people within a community that just by doing their own ke-ke-ke-glo-ha-funny-ha-random shit, basically take apart lives. But because the game is told as a flashback primarily in sequences where everyone's sitting at the bottom of the hole that the raccoon opened up, you get introduced to the denizens of the town, what they were up to, and how this set of activities has affected them, and then what they could do in response to that to maybe learn some moral lessons or develop connections with each other. Well, plus a boss fight towards the end. Now I'm going to wager that you fellas did not read the Trashopedia. No. No. Okay. Because that is the reference list of all the items that you throw into the hole. And if you read the descriptions, the descriptions are written in primary reference to raccoons and how they feel about objects. And it's very meme but it's consistently clever and amusing in terms of what things are referred to and how they, what they appear like to raccoons. I don't have any examples on me, but if there's a reason to play this game besides throw a thing into hole with pretty simple puzzles, it is to see how the raccoons feel about the shit that goes in the hole. I think it was a satisfying stylistic experience. I can see it's a simple game. Simple enough that, uh, with all due respect, normal people uh, just guide the hole around, throw the shit in there, and call it a day. Whereas I'm the one who's looking for meaning because it's made by creators who have very deliberate perspectives and feelings on how they want to evoke things in this game world. But I admit that there's a lot of fun when there's a camping tent and there's a cartoon coyote poking their head out of the tent. And for a while, their head wiggles and waggles left and right following the hole. And when they realize that they're going in next, the head just stares out with a blank expression. And then you put the hole to the edge of the tent and it just tips the fuck in. And then the, the, the level says, great delivery! And there's just a, this blank, expressionless coyote in a tent flying down a chasm, just staring ahead dead-eyed. That's funny. I laugh. Very good. Yay! 
but that was Dona County. And again, this kind of falls into the same rhythm of artistically expressive indie games. The uh, the third game came out of 2018, GRIS, Greece, is curious to me because it feels a little contrived and it radiates with feminine energy, primarily. And it's an experience about grief as it manipulates your emotions. It's a platformer that is exceedingly colorful. It has a lot to say with ennui and in-the-moment feelings without any spoken dialogue. And your character is disempowered in the beginning because it's metaphor for some bad shit happened in your life and you are going through what is codified as the stages of grief. And little by little, you unlock new moves so your environment interacts a little bit differently or you interact with it differently. If you're a platformer junkie, naturally, your, your immediate assumption is, okay, how long till double jump? And yes, yes, you get your double jump. But if you're doing this just as a Mario-style game, you'll probably think to yourself, yeah, this is all right. Like, there's not a whole lot going on. And my first hour playing it, I thought to myself, this is going to be a little bit overblown art house appreciation game where I don't enjoy playing it, but it sure does look pretty. By the end uh, of about a four-hour play experience, maybe, I did appreciate the Arkham portrayal of how one might deal with a harsh reality and how you respond to the stages of your experience. For example, simple as it is, when something bad happened to you and you get past the shock, you might get righteously upset, right? Right. And if you get upset, one of the first things you discover as you bring color back into your world, your perspective, the color red came up. And psychologically speaking, people respond aggressively to red. So simple contrivance and you unlock your first power in the game which is effectively a ground pound you can transform your character into a block and that block is hard to move so you can resist wind currents part of the environmental puzzle and on certain panels of the ground if you jump in the ground pound then you can break through and find a new tunnel but of course what we're all dancing around is that you are hardened by your experience so the metaphorical expression of being abrasive and solidifying your position to respond to the stress that's coming in your way is to obtain tantrum powers not top tier writing but just clever enough for me to say okay i'm tracking we're finding attention here later on when you're dealing with the water environment because of course there's a water environment potentially referenced to tears hard to say This is the most free you feel in the game because the water powers make you move fluidly and quickly, so it feels nice. At the same time, we're dealing with a theme of escapism because in the middle of dealing with this stuff, you're um, you're trying to take your mind elsewhere where it doesn't hurt as much. So if that sounds like poison to you gentlemen, I understand, but I willingly immerse myself in this and then heard some other thoughts on the game from other folk to kind of see if I'm tracking with my first-time experience of what the intended point was, or how it's being received. And if nothing else, it's relentlessly colorful in a more abstract way, whereas The Witness was colorful trees, colorful sky, colorful grass, colorful labs. This is more the sketch of the world exists, and as colors introduced, new elements of the environment are also portrayed because you couldn't see them without a particular expression of spectrum, and then you're going to have a contrast of smooth, curvy shapes and then really 
harshly contrasting concrete triangular shapes. And you're going to be platforming through all of this. So part of your brain's going, okay, next platform, next thing, next timing, double jump off of that, take the elevator up. Simple. While your eyes are going, God damn, are you seeing how pretty this is? So again, maybe not your mainstay, but I wanted to express that I played a trifecta of indie games that deal with simple mechanics, platforming, puzzles, etc. And all three had different things to say, but all three reflected on a more specific or abstract piece of human experience. So, Horse, back to Call of Duty. What's up? Back to Call of Duty? I haven't played Call of Duty. Uh-oh. We lost him. Hello? Yeah, he kind of faded yeah. out there. Oh. Like, I said I, I, haven't played, I haven't played Call of Duty in years. Well, I, I, was, I was looking for some sort of um, a delightfully redneck response of, get out of here with all your interpretive bullshit mumbo-jumbo. Who cares about uh, feelings nah. if you crack open a new beer? No, nah, no. Nah. I actually like games that uh, have more subtext than just what's actually being portrayed. And I feel like that's lost in a lot of AAA games nowadays. Yeah, there's no They're need. Yeah. That's a... No, go ahead. It's just some shit to do. I, I put out a new game with a label you know, and uh, I know you'll give me at least 60 bucks, probably 200 bucks in small enough doses. Just stay busy until we finish making the next one. Artistic integrity, fuck. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. The, the gaming genre changed in the mid-2000s when it was like, wait a minute, online play? And people will just play this game repeatedly, and I could just put a new one out every year, and no one really gives a shit what's on it? It's the exact same? Fuck it, we're making money. That's what, what, are what are y'all's thinking about that new Halo Infinite? I haven't played it. I know I can play it for free. I have Game Pass. Please like Halo. It's... I'm going to uh, counter that tiny bit by somebody who didn't touch it, but has seen in the footage. Wants to play like Halo, plays like watered-down Doom Eternal. Oh. I haven't played Doom Eternal, so I can't, I can't really say. That's fair, but everyone's loving that grapple shot. Oh man, verticality in my Halos! Oh my god, there, no need. Can we, can we just go back to the red versus blue days and just have one one map and you have to drive across with a bunch of tanks, please? Oh, no, Blood Gulch. And <laughs> my personal favorite, you just got surged. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a great, great series. I uh, actually introduced somebody to uh, BFFs the other day there, bro. Oh, that's a happy thing. I like that. Have you seen... Vacation. Uh, he was showing me something and I'm like, you, he was talking about Call of Duty or some shit. Uh, it was Steven again, my buddy. Uh, and uh, I was like, have you ever seen Battlefield Friends? And he's like, no, what the hell's Battlefield Friends? I was like, oh, dear God. So I showed him the one with Sarge. Like, do you have a poop bucket? A poop bucket? You have to leave to take a shit. You're not playing Battlefield. You're not earning points. You Got to get yourself a poop bucket. You shouldn't have a bucket. You're playing Battlefield. And it's it's a colonel. <laughs> Level honey colonel. Thanks, thanks for the assist, Trooper. I just unlocked a bipod for my knife. <laughs> he unlocks the bipod for his bipod for his knife. Well, later on he does. This is yeah. true. What the hell's a kill cam? Oh, you've never sir. been killed. <laughs> it's what you see what? when someone kills you. You mean this is a sick, sick bastard? You just gets to watch what you did. Well, that's terrible. I remember something you, like that. Have you never been killed? Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chuck. <laughs> Sorry. You never been? I think I remember something like that. Last thing I remember hearing is. Promoted. Promoted. 
ever catch that sick son of a bitch, I'll make sure I'll kill him next time. Horse, are you familiar with the with the trope of the holy fool? Oh dear God. The holy fool. Yeah. Uh can't say that I'm familiar. So it's somebody that is shown to be consistently incompetent and yet just accidents themselves into victory every now and again. Like okay, too, I know what you mean. Too stupid to live and yet ends up being the hero once in a while. So the the trope here for the level honey colonel who uh, everyone venerates because this is a living god in Battlefield. The one time he died, it was to the antics of our lovable idiot, the noob. <laughs> and uh, it is, it, this is counterposed by the sort of thing where the, the joke of the episode, because he's like, there's one trope they're explaining throughout this little five-minute thing they're doing, is uh, spawn camping. So the, the, the commentary is, hey, this map is kind of unbalanced. It's easy for the team to swing past the middle and then just pressure the uh, enemies from their initial starting point. They can't possibly win because everyone's sitting in the outskirts just waiting for them. So mm -hmm. it's it's 20 players sitting with javelin launchers like, hey, maybe we should back off and let them like, respawn. And then somebody goes, target! And everyone just fires. They can't help mm -hmm. themselves. So they go, yeah, you know, let's let's call out all the YouTubers. Hey, YouTuber and server, you want to go? And then they make the little cameo appearance. So there's like a 10-person sound off. They say, all right, uh, Mr. Colonel, sir, we're going to back off to Bravo and give them a chance. No, fuck that. I'm taking their base. Uh, sir, I'm not sure what you mean. We had all three checkpoints. Trooper, I'm taking their base. I'm not sure what he means. And then everyone just starts to look, and then the spawn point gets captured. Because <laughs> he's just that good. He is Battlefield. I'm taking their base. And the reverse trope is the squad, the friends, you know, the friends, they're prowling around. They bring in someone new. Like, oh, welcome to the game, buddy. Level three. Yeah, fantastic. Good to see you. Oh, okay. It's good. It's a fun game. Yeah, you know, just stick with us. It'll be fine. Our our boys get ambushed, and the level three player handles the situation by himself. Like, okay, well, let's bring you back. Let's do this. Oh, what you just did is not level three shit. Oh, no. Let's just play the game. Okay, you're getting the quiz. Okay. <laughs> do you got a job? Yeah. Where do you work? Work. Okay. You got a girlfriend? Yeah. What's her name? Kishandra. Okay. Uh, you and Kishandra have been hanging out long? You, you. you guys having any sex? What's the spread on M416? Oh, is that crouching, standing, or prone? Like, you're sounding really sus. Wait, is that the sound of urine hitting the sound of a bucket? Come clean right now. You are a level honey colonel. Player has to confess. Oh, I don't, it's no fun anymore. People get out and I'll have 3,000 hours logged in this game. You know, dude, that's okay. We all have our different talents. We can come together as a community and enjoy something special together. You're not a loser. You're a-okay. You really mean that? No, you're a fucking loser. Get out of here. <laughs> and then after the credits, he switches sides. <laughs> Who's the loser now? Target. <laughs> I know I'm... I know I'm, I'm audibly explaining a video bit off of a YouTube animated series, so if you'd rather that not happen, you can go and check out Battlefield Friends somewhere in a new hosting platform because the licensing rights from Machinima are fickle bitches indeed. So, hard to say who owns them at this point, but Battlefield Friends might be worth your time if you enjoy meme comedy. As what centered on... What, Battlefield Friends isn't on YouTube anymore? That's here somewhere. Do you want to go looking? I am now. Okay. So, horse, what's something that's dumb and memey that you love? Um, dumb and memey. 
other than dumb memes. Oh well, um, yeah, pretty generic. <laughs> Uh, What's your top TikTok trend? Ew. <laughs> uh, just TikTok in general, I guess. No, I that's. Know. I didn't ask what. Which <laughs> I asked your favorite. I I don't have a favorite. I think most TikTok trends are stupid. Agreed. If you go, um, if you go digging, there's good stuff there. The problem is, no one scuba dives; they just surf. And that the surfing is what brings you the not great stuff. Yeah, I it's, just I, I, like to sit cool. on the, I like to sit on the beach and just watch the watch the water. So I'll I'll catch like big big stories that break on YouTube of people <laughs> doing really dumb things. Like I remember seeing this one video of a uh, someone who was trying to get this trend started on TikTok, where he would go and take a chair. And sit down in front of a uh, tram car, and just hope it stopped. And it stopped the one time that he did it, and then he got arrested. Okay, that's that was the consequence. We're gonna call it in. Yeah, but maybe you won't, cause I'll be dead. And depending on the backing musical track, it's either really funny or a problem. Yeah, that's personally because of the autism. I find TikTok very troublesome because it's like radio surfing or channel surfing. As soon as I begin to hear the first three seconds of anything happening, my mind has to construct what is happening. And then 20 seconds later, it changes. So I have to keep doing that. And somebody's yeah. out loud on their phone, it gets very exhausting. And then if I do bother to look at what's happening, I just internally scream because the musical choice has nothing to do with what's happening on screen. It's just someone heard a cool thing and there's a button that says make mine sound like that and then they do that. It's thoughtless to the point of being aggressively damaging to my psyche. But, you know, some people think it's like lit or whatever. And there's there's quite a bunch of videos where it's just random like music and shit and then it'll just have text on like a video of someone dancing or something like why because self-edification is substantially more simple when you have a picture of a thing don't worry about the essence of a thing don't worry about anything else looks cool looks good but what is your life oh my life is just making this shit yeah but who are you as a person um you can find my content here no who are you as <laughs> a person um i'm trending on these okay fuck it whatever don't care anymore how do relationships work anymore? I'm convinced they don't. It's, that's, that's a fairly deep conversation that we could just end in a meme. <laughs> that was the deep shortest. <laughs> yeah, I believe they don't. Anything else? No, not at all. They don't. They just nope. don't work. <laughs> they They're do. Done. But you have to try. And trying is fucking lame. So just don't. It's It's... Marvel that uh, I'm even I'm, I'm, I'm new to it. I'm in my first year of marriage but I'm pretty pleased with how it's going so far. But now that we're in that lens of being not just legally bonded but choosing to cohabitate and explore our life as people who share a space and a lot of activities, we now look at other couples and it looks very different because you just look at the madness other people deal with and think, how the... F Fuck, is it supposed to work? This is disaster just waiting to happen. No, we like it this way. 
So when someone misbehaves chronically and you yell at them and they hide from you and then you both go to sleep and then it repeats, that's okay for you? That's just life? Okay, that's just life. I don't understand. You can have all of that that you want. I will do my thing over here. We could teach you to talk to each other. Nah, that, that's lame. Fine. Just be angry. You want me to put effort into bettering my relationships? Ugh. I don't know what those words even mean. <laughs> I mean, I can't really build much more of a relationship with my hands, so I'm pretty good right now. Sure you can. Uh, it could be literally stuck to you. I mean, then I, all I, it's less motion. I mean, kind of. All I have to do is just thrust myself backwards and keep my hands still. Well, let's discuss this, Chucks. I mean, listen, if you think it's been getting kind of samey with your hand, when's the last time you've done something nice for your hand? You know, maybe get a manicure, paint those nails a bit, uh, do some nice. Uh, You'd be surprised at what happens when you give it just a little bit of affection. Yeah, you'd be amazed, actually. I, uh, do you, you remember our co-worker, Miranda? Okay, where's this going? Yeah, yeah, so th there's a story behind this. You, there's a story behind this. She, she is does now, it involve your hand? It does. It, it well, involves, involves the... Uh, Art of masturbation here. Uh, so right, she... hang on. Let me just let me just slip, slip my pants down a little lower. Keep talking. <laughs> so I was talking with her, and I made the same kind of joke with her because this was right as I moved in with you, and she was talking about a teacher who she had in college because she was oh, doing good. good. It was yeah. at the college or grade school that would have changed the story. <laughs> Elementary school, first grade. Um, she, she said the her scoutmaster told her, you know, we're all pink on the inside. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> what she said was that her. Her professor is like, hey, you know, sometimes if you're not in a relationship, uh, if you're just going to rub one out, you sometimes, you know, you know, make yourself a nice bubble bath, light some candles, take yourself out on a fancy dinner, uh, you know, just so it's like a date. I'm like, if I'm just cranking one out, I don't I don't need to woo my hand over it. I don't need to warm it up with like a steak, salad, uh, steak dinner and a nice bubble bath. I'm just rubbing one out like 10 feet away. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, you get 10 feet clearance? That's impressive. I do. I have to. Uh, you know, it, from the bath area. I only get, you know, make sure it doesn't get in my bath. I got to clean myself up after I'm done, you know. Make sure it's, you know, not all over the place. Just free aim. You, you, you ever you ever play around in the shower and then you're making, because you're alone. Like, no one, no one's judging you. And you start making tank noises. You're like, load AP! <laughs> Switch to high X! <laughs> Uh, no, there's not enough room in my shower. It's, I think it's actually like a 24 by 24 shower. Uh, I am not a small dude. I'm not a CQB full auto. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's, there's not enough space to do anything in there. Like I hit the wall or I hit the shower head every time I turn, like I'll be like scrubbing my head and I'll turn and I'll like knock the fucking shower head three degrees to like, well, not like three feet West. And I'm like, God damn it. Uh, so I get pissed. All so the I, wisdom. Your former coworker offered you is you got to treat yourself before you beat yourself. No, that 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 should be a, a catchphrase, but no, I I don't believe in that philosophy. Uh, again, if shit's getting kind of samey, maybe consider a change. Uh, it's it's not samey yet. I mean, after thirty-one years, it. I mean, yes, it looks the same. Uh, so thirty-one it, years, <laughs> you were the dirtiest infant, man. <laughs> <laughs> it still looks like the parents tried to course correct, but like by age two, they just gave up. Like, nope, he's just gonna do it. <laughs> it it's but we still, just gotta accept it now. Yeah, it, it still looks like a penis, so uh, it's still there. Um, so no, it, there's there's no difference. So I was just like, yeah, it's still there. If it, you know, it hasn't gotten saving. The day it does, I'm damn sure not taking it out for a steak dinner. 
I uh, I came just across it. Wa- sorry, I, I just thought in my head, just walking into a steak like a, a fancy restaurant, like excuse me, ma'am, and just whipping your dick on the table, like I'm here to treat this to a nice steak dinner. I no, they to- ask you, okay, how many in your party, and you hold up your hand with a lipstick on it, party of two, <laughs> and then if they lean into it, they just okay, I got gotcha, you, see what's happening, and then you sit down, and they ask, hey, uh, where'd your date go? Oh God, and you just <laughs> smile because the table keeps jostling. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, so I, there's, a, there's a piece of knowledge you came across since you were implying genital deformity due to overuse. And I'm going to curse you with this knowledge in the most uh, public content, uh, a pol- appropriate way, considering what the information itself is. Um, I'm a big guy when it comes to language. I really care about how things work when we communicate information, which is why I speak as precisely as possible. And uh, I, I was clued in that. Brazil nuts were commonly known by a different name. Oh, yes. Long. Sorry. Chuck's knows. Does horse know? Why are you so excited about Brazil nuts? Can, because can I... the joke implied that what I was going to say is the uh, the affectionate name that they were referred to by is what Chuck's genitalia would appear after 30 years of abuse. Looks about the same. <laughs> do, you, do you know what it's called, Anthony? Or no? I think, Please no. explore this on your own. Uh, can I put it in I'll... the Discord? No. <laughs> I will. I will. I will bleep it out. <laughs> just PM it to me. Yeah, uh, this this is one of those things that you put in your search bar. You just feel bad about done having done it, and it's not that bad. I mean, my first reaction is to laugh, and then I go about going, okay, well, yeah, all right. There you go. I PM'd it to you. Because it kind of looks like <laughs> Yeah, past the Brazil nuts is now, now it's a phrase, now it's a thing. I learned. It's nice to see that H.P. Lovecraft's cat has company. Indeed, I I learned that at work uh, when I was working at the commercial desk for Lowe's in Bonnie Lake, Washington. Someone, I was like, yeah, they had mixed nuts. I was like, <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I was like, you don't know what these are called? I was like, no, because I I, t- I told them the uh, the 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 jokes that I knew, and they were like, you don't know was what these are called? Sullivan or was it Terry? Uh, it was a guy named Joe. Alright. This was... Checks out. Yeah, 2012, so... Ooh. Funny guy, though. I like Joe. And he was like, you don't know what these are called? I'm like, no. And he so he pulls me aside, and we go outside, and he tells me, and I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, dead serious. So I was like, no you fucking stared way. Him, him, like, ah, you know, I have some counts to do. I'll see you, in a, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, I need to go sell something. <laughs> and that's just, that. that's just on your mind. You have to process the information. And someone says, excuse me, sir. And you just turn around and it just falls out of your mouth because it's still in your mind. You just say it. <laughs> and you go, never mind. Can I speak to your manager's manager? Because fuck. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, oh, dear God. It is. Um, it's interesting what is considered appropriate and inappropriate by corporate culture. I would like to remind everyone that a non-specific home improvement retail company had to implement measures during the outbreak of COVID and so many years ago. It feels like forever ago. And they had these uh, standees, they had these pylons that were put into common travel spaces, reminding people to stay a certain distance of feet apart. And they would distinguish the two people with silhouettes of human beings, signaling people should not be this close together. Uh, this was a store-wide, company-wide thing. 
So clearly they made many of these standees. They paid a company to design the graphics and then implement them and print them and package them and ship them, all that fucking shit. A couple million dollars. And then when they were deployed as a work order for employees to take time out of their day to set these these things up on common traffic avenues, uh, another work order came through that same week, a couple days later, to take pieces of paper with new printouts on them and then cover up and amend a piece of the sign. The problem was that of the two people pictured, the silhouettes of human beings, one of them was white and the other was yellow. So the work order was to quickly change that to two whites. The solution was whitewashing, as it always has been. You were there for that particular company when the vice would... president of sales was on there on the, the video, correct? Hey, listen, certain people just like to handle this tool better. It just fits better. Yeah, with their tiny Mexican hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck did he just say? And it, and it was done so sweetly, so innocently. Just this, you know what? What, they have small hands. Do they not have small hands? Is that not okay to say? Oh, shit. I remember sitting there in one of the videos, they were like, so these guys, the guys who were doing the videos were like two old white dudes. And they're, it's in the South, by the way. So the main office is in North Carolina. They're Carolina's. on the posters. They should be six feet apart. It's on the poster right there. Yeah. Well, they, I, I left right before COVID hit, actually. Like a month later, COVID hit real hard. Um, I remember in one of the videos, like, these are all our interns. So you have these old white guys, and all their interns are like these young, strapping black people. And me and one of the other managers who's black, he's like, I'm pretty sure that's called slavery. And I'm like, the fuck? I was like, dear God, dude. He's like, yeah, they're unpaid interns. They're just working for these old white guys for free. I'm like, how the hell did I become a manager? Like, what the hell am I hearing right now? Like, like two months in a row that I've heard someone say something. No, they're they're getting paid in goodwill and grits. Yeah, just I, I just need you to do all of my work for me while I complain about Mexicans having their tiny baby hands. <laughs> like, oh dear God. Now that he was laughing, I was like, I can't believe. Why do you keep Mexicans in your crawl space? I don't know. Because they fit. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> that's horrible same genre of joke is why are divorces so expensive uh i don't know horse because they're worth it <laughs> i know the, the the for some reason the the, the crawl space mexican joke made me think of what's the difference between a a thousand dead bodies in my garage and a porsche in my garage go ahead chucks there's not a Porsche in my garage. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. But... This podcast is occasionally problematic, but only within the measures of really good taste. Oh, yeah. If you don't think it's good tasting, fuck you. I, uh... But again, you're this far in. You're this far in. So it's the perfect time to talk Matrix Direction spoilers, right? Indeed, because I haven't seen it yet. Nor will I. Nor will you? Yeah, oh, I've okay. only heard bad things about it, so I'm just like, eh. Well, that's why you have me on your show. That is true. Horse, any any stakes in the Matrixes? Uh, I saw like one movie, like the first movie, like once. Um, I was gonna rewatch all the movies before this new one came out, and then I didn't, and it came out, and I heard it wasn't good, so I don't really plan on going back and watching them again. Okay, I would encourage you to watch that cycle, but 
I'm going to qualify what those reasons are. It is fairly important to note that The Matrix was a breakout success for the two directors that put it together, and they had a lot of hope, a lot of help with very qualified studio personnel to make it what it was. And realistically, the style and the action was just the surface draw. The themes expressed within were, they're always there, but they weren't quite as loud, if you will. People definitely took away that slow-mo was awesome, kung fu was awesome, guns are awesome, and you know something? Trench coats and slick back hair and shit? That's awesome too. Even being bald and black is awesome. Let's do that. So all these surface elements for a pretty watchable action flick with this weird, like, sci-fi element? Who cares? Uh, Hugo Weaving was there. He was great as Elrond. Um, the movie is totally digestible if you want on that surface level. And when I was... Oh, shit. 13? Yeah. That's basically how I saw it. I saw it as, wow, this is so cool. With no particular connection to anything else. And the movie could have just stopped there. But it made lots of money. So the, the, the writers were tapped for more. Give us more. So they took their alluded to ideas and continued to develop those ideas over the trilogy. Of course, bombastic action had to happen because that's what made the box office in the first place. So they wrote the second and third parts together, released them six months apart. That was unheard of at the time until Twilight and Harry Potter did the same shit later on. Uh, and people had mixed feelings about the second and third because it wasn't the first. Because of course it wasn't the first film. People like Parts of the Caribbean Parts 2 and 3 less than Part 1 because Part 1 had a lot of densely packed components. The trilogy is always about Will Turner. Nobody cares because Jack Sparrow is so goddamn watchable. So most of the audience will stop at the part where the action is, is pretty exciting. But if you do watch them as an adult, or at least a man-child, if that's the best you can muster, there's a lot happening in the conversations and between the lines. There's a lot being conveyed. And sure, the conversation now is much more interested in gender politics. Once again, the current version of gender politics conversation is the pop culture version of anything important, meaning we have to have terms, we have to draw lines in the sand, and we have to attack the other sides because they're all wrong and we're right. That's not what's supposed to be happening. That is what's happening. So between Matrix, The Matrix and Matrix Resurrections, the Wachowskis, who were once the Wachowski brothers, are now the Wachowski siblings because they had sex reassignment and they changed a lot as creators over time and what the new matrix is is a fourth chapter that was never really planned but basically because the hollywood machine has to keep running forward as they say in the movie point blank to the lead character this movie is happening with or without you are you in or are you out and because it's better if you do, one of the siblings decided to come back. The sibling decided to participate in the writing of this film with two other add-on writers. And you can tell when it's the hot, fresh Netflix writing talent that's helping push this vehicle forward. So the very qualified praise is that it is highly apparent that the creator of these characters, who is writing extra pieces of this movie, is not interested in making action movies. The Matrix was the second most action-heavy film that they've made. Would you like to know what the most action-laden film they made was? Yeah. Go ahead. Speed Racer. Speed Racer. Speed Racer is balls through the fucking wall. Speed Racer is bonkers. It is 
difficult to watch sometimes with just how much is happening on screen. I mean, nobody fires a gun, but them cars are doing things. <laughs> but who's, who's, who's the main actor in Speed Racer? I remember Christina Ricci's in it. I don't have his name at the moment. It's not what I'm focusing on. Sorry, but if you're brave to resolve it, you're welcome to look it up in the I meantime. And interrupt me at a tactical point. Right. What's the name? Emil Hirsch. You're good. Go ahead. Emil Hirsch. Fantastic. What else is he in? I don't know. I didn't look. Cool. Fuck off. All right. So, if if we take it as a given that the creator of this property, who is being surrounded by other production staff, is not interested in doing the action in this movie, what does that tell you about the action horse? It's probably not that appealing. You're correct. It's not that appealing. It's perfunctory at best. So if you filter through that, what else you got? Okay. The interesting parts in one direction is the meta conversation. Do you remember Ready Player One? Yeah. Do you remember Space Jam 2? No, no. I never watched it. Me too. The, the entire point is the license holder just throwing the catalog at the audience. Remember yeah. though, but in one big package. There's not a very solid movie core holding it together. This is just recognizable property because hashtags work, so here you fuckers go. You'll watch it anyway. Got your dollars, you're dismissed. This is perhaps the most nuanced possible conversation about member berries, references, inclusions, representations. Because about a third of this film is extremely meta. Take it or leave it. You might don't you might not like that. Uh topic of conversation. But I think that if you look at the characters, all the different characters as being one person speaking but they're different faces, I think it has interesting things to say about the effect of nostalgia, inclusion, riffing, reboots, the value of reboots, etc, etc. So given that that's the talk, pretty good talk. The more compelling part of the conversation is that time passed for everyone involved between movie 3 and movie 4. And Keanu Reeves' characters shouldn't be around. But they find themselves being around. And so the degrees of awareness and um, the mental stress that that creates. Like, the, the story of Jesus works because after he, uh, after he, uh, what's the word these days? He got unalived? Is that how you call that? Uh, yeah. He came back for like a weekend and then he peaced out. But if he came back and had to live out to being 65... I'm not sure what that would look like, and I don't think the story would allow it to happen. But here, we have a character that most certainly departed and shuffled loose the mortal coil, but they back, though. And the world noticed. And most of the world feels it would have been better if he stayed dead. That's an interesting piece of storytelling. Because in the time spent, people were raised during their lifetimes on the stories of this dude. They were born after the guy died and their parents wouldn't shut up about him because Neo's so fucking cool. Now he back. I didn't expect to meet Jesus today. What's going to happen? Now, we, we can't spend a lot of time really digging into this, but cracking that door open? Interesting storytelling. Would like to see more. There are stumbling points in what they include with how much time they have because they have callbacks to characters, which... If you care about how this world is built, it's interesting that they're there. But their functional capacity in the film is, hey, it's me. I'm going to do MacGuffin. Cool, we out. So The Matrix Resurrections is a, it, it, it's a compromised viewing experience. 
depending on your expectations. If you're, if you're expecting the first matrix, no, no, that will not happen. This is somewhere between Cloud Atlas and Star Wars Episode Seven: Force Awakens, which is as confusing as it sounds, but there is merit there. So for me personally, I'm going to say it's a 7 out of 10 film for me. It is above average. It is flawed. You need to prepare yourself a little bit if you want to watch it. And if you do the required reading, as in watching the trilogy, you're going to be a little bit tired by the time you see this if it's back to back to back. But yeah. you can from that, if you prepare yourself to say, okay, fuck the surface layer, what are we really doing here? Because yeah, there's, there's scenes with Neil Patrick Harris talking and people who skip to, oh, it's the new architect. Well, it isn't. But if you skip to the thing that you know, the stereotype, you're not going to be accessible for the point. If you just go, oh, like there's people plunging down. Smith is wearing something. And okay, again, as I'm telling Chucks for most of these things, if you're doing a rewatch or a new watch, just shake that fucking etched sketch. Come into this fresh, as fresh as you can. Try and see it on its own terms without your preconceived notions. Because the majority of the audience is a very difficult time shaking loose their preconceived notions. That's precisely why they're watching 800 episodes of One Piece in a single sitting. Because who the fuck cares? That's really unkind to One Piece, but come on. I mean, truth hurts. <laughs> so, I, I'm endorsing this film. And I've spoken about it largely spoiler-free, but that's these would be the hallmarks you're looking for. A creator who made a thing 20 years ago, and 20 years of human life have passed, and a lot has happened, and they said, could you just crack that tome open again and give us one more? I, I think this has more integrity than any future Harry Potter material, that's for sure. Unless you give us True Detective Season 1, but Harry Potter, that'd be interesting. <laughs> And I sometimes have to do that. I have to say, like, hey, uh, One Punch Man Season 1, definitely worth your time. You'd say, what about Season 2? And I'll say, just don't. And you could say, well, but it's more One Punch Man. I say, yeah, but what it managed to do with its first 12-episode run, the follow-up season makes it another Animu. And to me, that downgrade is very difficult to sustain. I think I bet you about this once every three or four episodes. Yeah, roughly that. I don't know if you've seen One Punch Man Horse. I've seen the first season. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's a it's a Superman story done right. Awesome. And yeah, yeah, people love Superman. They love Spider Man. They love all that shit. Uh, anybody here seen the most recent Spider Man? No. One I have. Okay. Horse, what's your what's your investment in Spider Man as a character? What do you mean? <laughs> how how big is your fan boner for Spider Man? Um. He's one of my favorite superheroes. Um, pretty much always has been. Uh, but I wouldn't say that I'm like the hugest Spider-Man nerd. Okay. So my criticism of the film is that the inclusive meta elements, dimensional crossover, because we claim to understand what that's about, those are done well. Nice to see good actors doing good. Andrew Garfield has been a good actor this whole time. We just never noticed until now, apparently. Willem Dafoe can't fail. Alfred Molina, nice to see him working. Um, did most of the characters dirty, but they were there. They were on screen. They kind of they, they played well together. This is a stupid film. It doesn't need to have happened. It doesn't push anything forward. It just continues the cycle. 
in my mind, the structure of the story is a boy asked a wizard to cast a spell, and the wizard was dumb enough to say, well, I do owe you one. Okay, fine. And then the wizard was combated, and then the wizard fixed everything anyway. But, but, but we got to see Toby Maguire! But you see, these have to coexist together, where we love the actors and the film medium, we have to love the characters, and the villains get the resolution arcs, we have to talk about man feelings, because that's a conversation that's overdue by several hundred years. Uh, stupid movie. I agree with you on certain points of that. Um, it wasn't unenjoyable. Really like, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. I just, I think it could have, like, the, the story just didn't really, like, seem like it carried the movie. Like, it seemed like they were relying much more on, like, the characters that were in the movie and the fact that they had all the villains and shit. Um but well, the, I didn't like the fact that the ending of the movie was essentially just a, a reset. Uh-huh. This this has to exist. This movie has to exist. So Sony retains rights to character. And that's about as meta as it can get. Well, they just... Well, that's kind of true to an aspect because the previous film was supposed to be the last one, but they keep renewing it. So yeah. this is all setting up because it's supposed to be WandaVision... Spider-Man and Doctor Strange all set up Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness and Doramu and Shumagarath, which has a different name because Shumagarath's name is owned by the guy's family who owns Conan. Um, so do, do we honestly give a fuck about the events of these stories? You shouldn't really, because once you watch it, you're just like, okay. Um, it's it, I would say if you want a good Spider-Man multiverse, uh, read the Spider-Man multiverse comic that was recently released. Uh, about a year or two ago, um, it's like a 12, 13 arc with a couple side stories in it, but it takes care, it brings in all the Spider-Mans from every universe and uh, kind of kills them off. So it thins out the Spider-Man multiverse situation in the uh, comic books, but it's not bad. It's a pretty good story. So my most scathing criticism of Spider-Man No Way Home is Sony with a different division already gave us Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And I find that to be an objectively superior example of storytelling while juggling multiple properties and member those feels this this makes the cinematic installment in the triplets trilogy maybe quadrilogy who knows of spider-man films just thoroughly unnecessary now the people making the movie crafting are doing a very good job but the writers are mercenaries they just have to play with their toys and maybe they'll make better movies separately from this license elsewhere but the money's really good in this bucket i'm not leaving this fucking bucket meanwhile Spider-Verse, visually stimulating, works with multiple characters that are supposed to be versions of each other, and has a more consistent byline and theme while having superb action. I like Tom Holland. I don't see why this movie exists on my personal taste in terms of cinema. So I gotta ask. I agree with you. I haven't seen the, the new Spider-Man movie, but I do think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a really well done multiverse Spider-Man film. Uh, are you going to watch Across the Spider-Verse? Is it a musical? Uh, no, it's the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse. So, well, that's a fair question. Am I going to watch it? I haven't seen any visual material for it. And I just, I'm getting this One Punch Man Season 2 feeling. Yeah, it's more. More was not required. You could have left it right there. But we, but we have to advance the Miles Morales storyline. I believe you The Miles Morales is a quality character. From what we saw him on screen, highly charismatic. What's the Spider-Man 2099 character name? Oh, I uh, can't remember shit. Okay, the Puerto Rican one, right? Yeah. Or, or the other one. 
it's it's fair that the mantle can be transferred to any number of people. But now, once again, what we're really waiting for is, and here introducing the first trans Spider-Man. I have the answer the, for you, by the way. The idea... Go ahead, tell me. Miguel O'Hara. Going to be played by Oscar Isaac. Cool. Good actor. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for that. I could see this good actor in other things, like Drive, where he's a very good actor, and his character arc is pretty definitive. Let's call it that way. When people are... It's okay. Oscar Isaac was in Dune. Part one. The recent film. Nice to see him fulfill a role and do the thing. And he plays a recognizable character, but that character doesn't need to keep existing. And if ever the character returns to screen, it'll be as a image in the mind of Paul Atreides. So we can have our cake and eat it, but it's much more believable than relying on character icons that exist on the structure of a monomyth, so there's always a someone wearing the crown of power, right? But it's so blatant and compromised by we have to keep publishing comic books that it's very difficult to feel any stakes in any of these movies anymore. We enjoyed Iron Man because it was a competently executed take on a familiar structure because John Favreau is a very talented individual. In replication, the volume has increased so much that it's less the MCU or more and more Genshin impact at this point. Don't worry, you're not going to run out of activities. There's always more content, and you can pick your favorite sexy waifu or hosbando. They're all there. But this is very much comfort entertainment, so when people get excited, at this point still, of, oh, and then this betrayal happens, and then this character does this, and, oh, they, they, they totally call back to that one time the character did this, oh, this is awesome. If you don't ever work through that phase, I mean, okay, I, again, back to One Piece, right? And yes, that can definitely exist. That can definitely exist. People have their comfort viewing. We're making money off of it. You're happy. I'm happy. Stamina empty, pants full. Great. I have a hard time engaging with that anymore. Now, I'll draw back to the example of another property that just won't die. Um, To me, Star Wars Rogue One is better than Star Wars. But that's because we're doing a World War II spy film like Valkyrie with Star Wars clothes. And I think it's competently done. It's very decently written. It's colorful. It's exciting. And in the end, everybody dies. Right? I'm on board for that rhythm. But when they say, oh, look, here's a Boba Fett show. I got to see what the full volume of the work is. Like I mentioned with The King, if the ending were bad, in my book, to The King, the movie would fall apart. But because there's a good seal on that jar, the contents are not only under pressure, they're well-preserved, it's going to be real tasty when it's time to uncork that jar and take a look at it again. And we're not... (laughs) We're bouncing everywhere. Horse, welcome to the way I think. Uh, Matrix 4 was unexpected. We kind of had things wrapped up with three, but necessity created four, and four did the best it could with being what it is. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, excuse me, Spider-Man No Way Home should be a capping piece to the Spider-Man cycle of films that feature Spider-Man. The end of which is an ad for Doctor Strange 2. So we have overlapping character arcs that only serve to introduce new character concepts to an audience because the machine has to produce new shows and new media for you to stay attached to and just don't think about it really hard. So what's the integrity of the storytelling? Man Punch Man? Is that all we have? Oh, death and grief, sad. 
Hey, listen. Tom Holland can act really well. I like him. But how many Uncle Bens can you really honestly relate to and watch? I don't know. Yeah. Don't... Now, that, that's a pointed character moment. And when you have under five Spider-Mens all saying, I have an Uncle Ben, it's sort of relatable. We're headed towards a room with 36 Spider-Mens saying, yeah, but my Uncle Ben, though. Is that really about my Ben? Way? Yeah, exactly. Until you get to Uncle Ben, who then had Peter Parker die, then you're just thrown off. Well, that could be interesting. But gentlemen, we're on a lag curve of stories told 70 years ago. And it's being brought to new people because they're new and they haven't learned to think critically yet. True. That's my problem. I can't turn off the critical thinking. And horse, I'm going to say this out loud for your benefit, I unironically enjoy... Fast and the Furious movies four through through yeah through eight I'll include that one and Hobbs and Shaw I really enjoy them because I know what I'm staring at and the cynical action machine still works because it's more honest about what it is than the MCU is but people stop at the part where I say Fast and Furious their brains shut off and they say you're lame and stupid and dumb and they go back to playing Madden like the Fast and Furious movies uh I've only so they did release a new one on HBO Max and it's not in order. So you can watch one and two on there. So, uh, but what did I just say? Uh, you like four through eight? Yeah, <laughs> they released six, which is very disappointing because I wanted to start at four because I've seen the first three and I'm like, God damn it, let me watch four. So I can't. I can only I can skip. I can go one through three and then skip straight to six. Mm-hmm. Mindly infuriating, right there. Like, mm. but that's because the fallacy of continuity exists. And the first two films live in a separate universe. The third one is an interesting oddball that only nods to its franchise roots, if you will. Four tries to tie it together and is the prototype for what the series would emerge into. This is repeating, but again, we have a new audience member here with us. By five, they kind of get the formula down, and then six through eight is just fucking riffing. It's just James Lynn doing what he wants to do. And it shows. Because I didn't like Nine, but I could tell you exactly which key scenes the former soul director and writer was involved in. Because those beats are hit in the signature style he developed. Everything else, the bloat shows. Or you could say I'm wrong and I'm stupid and I don't know what I like and yada yada. I've had a, a conversation with some people for the last couple of days where there's this spot where they defend the maxim of just let people like what they like. If I want to ignore the world and just like what I like, leave me alone. I understand that. I also have heard the same statement from a person who really big, bad cares about what they like, and they're generous in explaining what they like and inviting other people to like what they like. They're not putting up fences, they're building ramps. And they're happy to express and teach and share joy. But that's a very different mindset from someone who spends their whole time putting up walls and saying, Halo's awesome, Dark Souls sucks, and that's just the way it is. With no nuance, no explanation, no, no desire to propagate joy, except at the expense of other people. They don't even like what they like. They just like telling other people that they like it, and the other people are wrong. And I oppose that attitude. Unfortunately, I stand in the minority. Crickets. Okay. I mean, do you gentlemen have any takes on that, or are you going to stand on? Just fucking let people like what they like. 
I'm on that. I'm unfortunately, I'm still, I'm always on that boat. Let people like what they like, no matter how weird it gets or what it is. I mean, you, you shouldn't like defend the things that you like at the expense of other people. And I, I think discussions like this, where you're talking about shit that you like in different lenses and exposing it to people that might not think that way, fucking would help them gain interest in it. In and, a, or they might have on their own. Yeah, I, I Broad, mean, broaden their scope and develop further appreciation. Like they like what they like, but now they have more ways to even enjoy it. So that's I, a positive. I will say that you helped me with doing that with the Harry Potter films. I will say that I no longer hate the Harry Potter films. They're not the greatest films of all time, but they're not bad either. I, I, I had to look at them in a different scope, and you helped me with that. And I will agree with uh, Horse here on the aspect of, yeah, don't don't try to force it down people's throat and let them like what they like. But if you can, like, like hey, here, look through a different lens or anything of the sort, that may help them discover that they may actually like the series. I can't say the same about the Fast and the Furious series because I can't watch the goddamn films unless they go out and pay, like, you know, 50 bucks for the box set, but I'm not doing that. And the approach that I used, and personally, I don't have very much love for Harry Potter. Almost none. But I give it respect because it has merits. So when I pitch to Chucks, the Fast and Furious cycle of films is worth considering. I also offer qualifiers. I don't say, dude, like, my favorite part was, like, fucking, okay, there's, like, a, like two bridges right over this canyon. There's, like, this, like, this cliff, and it's a beautiful blue sunny day, and then, and then and like, they have to jump from one bridge to the other bridge, and there's a tank, and then it, the tank goes bang, and they, like, bam, they surf the shell. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's not the language I use. I have those words. That's not what I'm focusing on. Yeah. And I'm not forcing you down your throat. I'm saying, with the conversation we've developed so far, I have done my best not to waste your time. And you've reported to me much more often than not. Even if you didn't like something, there was a discussion to be had, not necessarily cut it apart. I do that, but I also qualify. This is a critical examination. I'm not saying don't enjoy it. Here's how I feel. This is what I see. The more we talk, the more I try to not have it be empty words. There are qualitative considerations. And sometimes joy happens from that. And that joy gets passed on to other people. And then we foster better communication. But if you want to sit at home and simp, you have that choice. I'm sad, but I will accept it for a time. Until you fuck your neighbor's kid, and then I'm mad again. Whoa. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and... well, I mean, you <laughs> threw right off the cliff. Like You're angry. Old. Nobody's talking. You're still frustrated. And the servers are down. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck me a five-year-old. What am I going to do? Oh, dear God. Not fuck a five-year-old. <laughs> and well, on that note, this do. podcast has been put on every FBI watch list you've ever heard of. Spoken in context <laughs> is a joke. Yeah, it, it, we're, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get emails next week from the podcast email. Hey, this is Dambla. Oh. We would like to uh, sponsor your podcast. Like, no. I mean, l- no. let me know. But I I have spoken about more challenging subjects using clean language previously. Discussing very insidious things that do happen in our world, and it's worth considering them. Which I then coat in something nice other time there's something wholesome and like horse said just kick you off the cliff (laughs) oh dear god (laughs) but you see the logical progression where you cut yourself off 
from any social community, ignoring the part that humans are very social creatures, and then you put yourself in an echo chamber where the noise grows, and then suddenly your mental faculties can't handle the pressure anymore, and you release some primal, primal want or frustration you've been feeling this whole time in maybe the most destructive way you can. At best, all you do is punch a wall and break your hand and learn your lesson. At worst, other people suffer. At scale. Thanks, Pol Pot. Dear God. Um... The same way you go about it with movies is the same way I try uh, anytime I'm at the bar. There's a lot of people like, so I, I occasionally go to the bar with buddies and meet people and I've met people over the time and a lot of them, a lot of people have like, I won't do this. And some people are just stuck in their ways like you you mentioned, uh, but some people are just like, fuck, fuck Fast and the Furious. It just sucks and they won't give you a reason. And uh, I've realized that with some people when I talk to them, uh, even doing my job, it's I won't do this because I just don't like it. Have you tried it? No, I know I just don't like it. I don't want to do this. So I talked to him like, hey. Like I have one guy that I occasionally, I all bump into at the bar when I'm hanging out with buddies. And it'll be, I don't play pool. Why don't you play pool? I just don't like it. Have you ever played it? No, I'm not good at it. Oh, so, that's something true. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, and that's like better. Or do you want to stay at, yeah. And that's what I do. I'm like, hey, do you play darts? No. All right. Well, let's let's try them. Well, I'll try darts, but I'm not that good. Look, man, no one's we're not asking you to push yourself to be the next fucking world's greatest dart dart player and do nine darts and get a five five ten in the first time. Um, it's just just go out and have fun. That's what that's what we're here for. Darts can be a fun game if you don't stress yourself out about it. But every time there's always that one asshole that will get super pissed off and just be like, oh, I got to be the best. And they try to, you know, shark you or whatever. And it's like, look, dude, I'm not playing for money. I'm just here to have a good time. Right. Disproportionately, disproportionately competitive as additionally factored by gambling habits. Yes. Correct. And uh, it's the same way with uh, my buddy Steven I've been talking about all night. He won't play pool up there unless he has his pool stick. And it's like, why? He's like, well, I don't want to get my ass stomped. I'm like, he went up there one time. He's like, hey, man, I'm up at the bar. What do I do? Because everybody up at the bar kind of knows me because I'll just go out and talk to people and not care and screw it. I'll look like an idiot. I look like an idiot. Or I'll play pool with people. Um, I play with a bunch of old people sometimes because they're like, hey, just join in. It's free game. We know you. You're a pretty cool guy. He's like, well, I don't want to lose. I'm like, come on, man. Just, just try it. Try having fun and take the sports. We're not playing baseball. We're not doing it as a team competitiveness. Just go out and try having fun doing this. Refuses to. It's like, God damn, man, come on. Try, just try something once. Just have a good time and just forget about it and take your mind out of what you think it is. And that's what I had to do. I had to essentially take what you talked to me about Harry Potter and be like, you know, I'm looking at this in the wrong light. I'm looking at it as fuck the kid's mom because I hate her and she can die uh, light for some reason and not enjoying the films is just films. I don't like the. They're not the greatest films. I wouldn't rank, like I said, I wouldn't recommend rank them in like the top 100 or anything. It, but it's a, it's entertainment. It's not bad. They were good, and that's kind of I'm trying to take a look at everything that I'm doing now. It's how can I look at this in a different light and expand my knowledge into something else. And uh, I, I've realized when I started doing that, a lot of people don't want to do that. It's look, I'm already set in my ways. It doesn't matter. Fuck you guys. And it, it's a terrible thing to hear. Even on the road, it's my job. It's like hey. Why don't you try this? Why don't you talk it out? Nah, I don't want to talk it out. Screw them. They can just die. Like, shit, man. Like, I'm here for a car accident, and you're losing your shit over this. Like, relax. But I'm sorry. Like, like the sound of what Chucks is saying, that's a pretty good set of habits and perspectives to develop because your interest in very specific and safe things that you enjoy 
that can spread to other things in your life in a positive way. So good on you, man. Yes, thank you. Continue with that. I have a, a live personal example of a very similar behavior. You see, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast when it comes to media, and I have a pretty fond liking of games. My wife respects them from a distance, and she oftentimes says, I don't like to play games. So I try to find examples where we can share time together, but she's holding the sticks and maybe pursuing something as a story, as a narrative, because I think that she would really enjoy it. So within that, uh, Mr. Horse, are you familiar with the game Bastion? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't remember what it is. That's okay. And Chucks, you may recall, an ancient time ago, we did a playthrough on our channel. War Machete. You mean Warhammer? Oops. War Machete, yes. <laughs> so Bastion is the first offering from a studio called Supergiant Games that have since also given us Transistor, Pyre, and most recently Hades. This is a studio with a very strong visual style. Bastion, being their first game, was noteworthy for, again, its visuals, especially its soundtrack, and its narrator, I believe Logan Cunningham. It's a fairly simple game to play, isometric, top-down, and your character avatar is similar to older Zeldas. Smash enemies, smash debris and furniture, collect doodad, bring it to a hub, build out the hub. Mechanically speaking, there's not a huge amount of things going on. Part of the appeal is that the weapons differ and the weapons of character as you upgrade them. And there's no bad weapon in the game, there's just stuff that you prefer, stuff you don't prefer. So we had two sessions so far. She's roughly halfway through. And we kind of had a, a challenge in the beginning because she was slipping into her previously ingrained teenage anxiety habits with games, which she has to smash everything on the screen. Well, she's compelled to, and she chooses to lean into that. She will panic during combat and get frustrated because she forgets the tools she learned and has a hard time not reacting to prompts and cues and rhythms because she's unpracticed. And because she's unpracticed, the controller is weird, this chair is stiff, god fucking damn it, I hate my life. All those stresses pile on. They don't belong, but it just aggravates other stuff that you don't enjoy, right? Yeah. Way to stop and pause and talk about it and say you don't have to do it 100%. You don't have to be the very bestest. These weapon challenges, they have three reward tiers. You don't have to swing for the first one on your first try. You can come back. You can, you can forgive. You can explore. This is meant to be meditative, not stressful, because I try to pick games for her that are not challenging to mechanically play, but are rewarding with their narrative structure or their environment or even the music, which I succeed more often than not. But she won't touch near Automata, at least not yet. <laughs> but that, that, that game is up there for me. Yeah. But our, our second session went significantly better because we talked about the mind space. We talked about the anxiety. And in that mind frame, if I offer any advice or assistance, now I'm backseat gaming or driving. So further stress. And the second time through, the very next day, I was surprised she offered to sit down and play it some more. By adjusting her frame of reference and her attitude, she had at least double the fun. Fantastic time. By comparison, which is what I intended. I don't want her to be pissed. I want her to enjoy this and maybe ask what else you got for me. And I'll carefully curtail for her something she might dig into and enjoy because, again, I don't want to waste her time. And I care about this person a lot. I would like to participate with them in this medium. And Bastion is not the best game that this studio has done, but it is their first. And it has value, and it's maybe the least challenging to play with what they have. So I want her to have this example and this attachment 
to something that we can share together. Because she knows some of the songs in this game because I've played them context-free. Now this little blues ditty that you heard is going to have some gravitas <laughs> and it might just make you cry because it ain't just a song about nothing. Blues are typically attached to some human endeavor that went really skewed for one side or the other. Yeah. And, uh, and now she's going to have a frame of reference for the song's content. Yeah. And if it comes on, she might just get misty-eyed. Just saying. That, that, that's a gift of constructive sorrow that I like to give to people. Uh, meanwhile, Nutchucks might just go, yep, 100% of it, got all the weapons, got all the things, cool, game done. You, you, you beautiful fool. I can't even begin <laughs> to imagine how smooth brain your life is. I, uh, I do not remember much of the game. I remember it's like a post-apocalyptic world, and you're going through the world, and you're trying to save it, or something like that. I'll have to play it again. You are ostensibly the last survivor of the world ending. This is I like can the... hear the three brain cells just squeaking together. It's been, it's, it's been like six years since we played it. It's been a while. I understand. So, Horse, I hope this further cements that I want to expand Chuck's library of accessible experiences, maybe clone some of those cells, you know, give them a little bit of life support. Because there's still love and kindness in his heart and a lust for creativity. It's just been buried under years of stress and madden. So it's a lot of work. I keep trying. I'm effectively his therapist sometimes. And it's, let's be honest, he's basically mine too. I get to keep talking. He has to go farts or smelly. And I go, thanks, buddy. You really ground me. <laughs> Who else would do that for you, sir? I mean, come on. Not many. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to help you. Connect with the common man. Slightly. Fuck the common man. But we need him. We need him. We need like... I need about 70,000 of them for me to exist in the world. That's about the ratio. Maybe more. I used to joke like, yeah, I'm like one in six billion. That's not the case. It's not true. My disease has not been apparent to me uh, until last year, basically. I was always just quirky and weird. Turns out we have some structure for that. It just nobody took the time to um, approach it. And I have no paperwork to prove it, but I'm going to own it now. Nice. And I mean, again, it's let, let's put this in perspective. Uh, the common man mostly stops at your skin is different than mine. Like, that's about as far as they care to figure this out. And we're now talking about um, sometimes it's okay if a boy kisses a boy ass to mouth. It's okay. That can happen. That can exist in the world. You don't have to kill them immediately. You can give them weird looks, but that's fine. Human centipede uh, helped with that. And that's like a that's like a one in ten thousand reduction, right? Because the other nine 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 are pretty happy to go ew and then kill it with a rock. So you factor that by ten thousand again, and now we have the pool of people that are interested, qualified in, and can actually do something about the autistic thing. It's it's not a good set of parameters, honestly. But we'll make of that the best we can. What you're saying, regular people don't have over three hundred gumpla? No. No, they fucking don't. You have a compulsive tendency. Did you know that? Oh, I guess when you talk about it that way, that explains why I stashed so much porn in my life. Yeah. I wasn't going to watch it all. I just needed to have all of it. Oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> that is... that. I don't know how many terabytes of hard... Like, how many hard drives you would need to get all the porn. I've never saved porn. I haven't either. You don't need to. 
it used to be scarce. It is now aggressively abundant. Yeah. It's it, it's free and it's common and it, it's, it's a fair in shit it doesn't need to be in. I agree. And then it's not in shit it needs to be in. Uh, then, I, go ahead. Uh, it's just all over the place. I remember about 10 years ago, I needlessly and understandably popped off about that infamous scene towards the end of the first season of Zombie High School. Uh, in the bad or are you talking about the sniper? Well, talking about using a girl's chest as a sniper's perch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, still not porn. Um, I was very upset. Very upset. And I told people, and they justifiably said, could you please like yell in a different direction? This is, sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh, because we were dealing with upper thresholds of fan service up to that point, but this just broke through that. It was a limit break of porny energy. But my mind said, listen, the Rule 34 stuff is right there. Next tab over, in fact, you can find this. Why is this show doing this? And the answer is because this is the climax of the exaggeration arc of what they wanted to accomplish. This actually tracks with the show. What you were looking for in the show may not be what the show is looking to deliver in the way it means to do so. Because we're already combining, okay, high school, standard anime setup, got gun enthusiasts. Yeah, those exist. Hopefully not in high schools, but we've got that for you. The gun porn is here. Zombies. Well, we've got to use the guns on something, and people are problematic, so zombies are justifiable. And now horny energy, because... I mean, strictly speaking, you're going to have to propagate the human race somehow, right? So let's make the, all the cute girls do all the cute things, and the boys are just, yeah, but guns, though, bro! So they're anti-simps, basically. And all of that was thrown into a gumbo and served up, and um, as I was getting the brothier parts of the gumbo, I was having an okay time. And then I got to the deeper pieces, and then the texture trigger hit, and I freaked out and threw up everywhere. You know, we're only human. That's understandable. But I didn't have to aim at the curtains, at the dog, and at mom's blouse while I was throwing up. Could have kept it contained, but I chose to do what I did. Now, in retrospect, I wouldn't have done that the same way. But that's how you learn, right? Traumatic experiences. Yeah. Is the analogy working for you? I mean, food is a pretty good way to get the common man interested. Yes. Could you, could you serve the chili dog on the hooker's ass? I think I think Horse is his picture. I think, that, uh, I think that depends on the hooker. Well, his name is Floyd. Oh, yeah, Floyd's a good dude. He'd let you eat a chili dog off his ass. Just downright neighborly. It's nice and warm, and you clean is up it, afterwards. Is it it's on top of his ass, or is it in between the cheeks? Uh, it's a chili dog, dude. It's gonna go everywhere. Yeah, but where's the hot dog at in particular? Is he holding it between his cheeks, or is it on top of his ass? Well, it started to slip, but he caught it. Okay, got it, got it, got it. With his butt cheeks, got it. So it's in between. Got it, got it, got it. (laughs) If a man has sufficient muscular gluteal robustness to squeeze and launch a hot dog from between his butt cheeks into your mouth with perfect trajectory, still not gay. Just, just, just a feat of athleticism. That's yeah. Honestly, that's just impressive. Yeah, I would have to give him that. Not be next. You know, like I'm, I'm highly impressed. Can you do that again? Good on this you, time sir. I'm going to give you a moving target. Oh my god! <laughs> Level two. <laughs> you got you got to play the uh, yakety not yakety sax the uh, like circus theme as it goes back and forth. 
I was going to play the Tokyo Drift signature stinger. Oh, that one too would work. Yeah, because the guy's doing that, hanging his ass out of a window, and his friend is drifting whatever car you want past the target. It's car to car, in fact. Back to Fast and the Furious. Part 10 should have that shit. You've been to space, but have you seen it where someone shoots a hot dog out of his ass through a window? No. From Take one that. moving car to another moving car. It, and it, then it, they it, catch it ass to ass, and we're all the way back to Vanilla Sky. You gotta, you gotta, you mean uh, Requiem for a Dream? I do mean that. I made a mistake. Uh, um, Thank you for catching it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, all I can think, though, is as Dom Toretto's drifting, he's just like, for family, and just boom, between his butt cheeks out the window into somebody's that's mouth. That's why he bought the family pack. <laughs> they bump when you squeeze them. <laughs> They're kosher, too, so he, he made sure they were, they were good for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a quality podcast. We really enjoy talking about grimy things. Oh, indeed. There's a reason the word grime mm. is in the name of the title. Uh, uh, horse, what do you think so far? Are you pretty spoopy about this, or you'd like to join us as a mediator between my bullshit and Nutchucks' uh, wholesome family energy? Uh, <laughs> well, just a hint of racism. <laughs> like, just like just a small dash, a little sprinkle. Um, I mean, I like it. I. Uh, someone needs to make sure Alex doesn't say really, really stupid things. I'm doing my best. Yeah, I, I, I can't catch them all. You, you would be the uh, third person to attempt to try to wrangle me in from saying dumb shit because uh, Coin is no longer with us, and so you'd be the third. My, my brain starts to wander off about two seconds into what I say. You just keep running people off. I do. <laughs> do, do we want to delve into some deep dark lore with Chucks here? Sure, let's do this. Well, I mean, horse is your confidant, so he's the one to spill beans. I don't know about. Uh, I'll get the hot dogs as long as you're between your ass cheeks. It's what, the what, new... kind of, what kind of beans are we looking to spill here? Uh, something, something sufficiently juicy, but not too, not too uh, inflammatory. Because we're not here to embarrass the man. We're here to uh, express well, maybe something from the past. What? Okay, fair enough. Your podium, um, you have a different relationship. Um, I remember, like one of my distinct memories from uh, growing up with him was that there would always be a really long Ethernet cable running from our router down the hallway and into his room. And any time that cable was out in the house, you could hear him yelling. <laughs> Madden. <laughs> fucking Madden man <laughs> you thought, I'd, I'd walk you thought the joke was the cable was sticky but no football. <laughs> football it all comes back to football I would get so pissed playing Madden or NCAA football both of them I remember so to, to, to emphasize that I don't know if you remember so our dad got so me and Horse are brothers you're 11 years younger than me correct, uh, correct Horse I about said your name sorry about that uh, how old are you I'll be 32 this year in July, I'll, I'm 31 until July. So I'm 13. How old are you? I think 19. <laughs> We're brothers. So he's roughly almost 12, almost 12 <laughs> years older than you. <laughs> so that you're like, wait, 13? Like, I'll be 32 and you turn 20 this year, correct? So, yeah. Yeah. So it's about a 12 year age gap. So there wasn't a whole lot of time. So I just want to make sure on this. So there was a moment in time, I don't know if you remember, where dad got pissed enough where he's like, we're not having the cord in the hallway anymore. If you're playing, you're playing on this fucking tiny TV behind the couch with your 
PlayStation. So I had Madden, and the reason I had Madden was because I played uh, a good buddy of mine uh, from high school. We were grew up together, uh, Corey, and he was a high-level Madden player. But about after a week, Dad had enough of it. it was like, go back to your fucking room. I'm tired of this. I can't take you yelling anymore. I'm like, okay. Couldn't take it being in my room. You couldn't take it me being five feet away either. I don't know why you just didn't leave me in my room with the door shut so you could barely hear me. But uh, I do remember your mom constantly kicking the door in and telling me shut the fuck up because she couldn't take me yelling anymore. <laughs> that was. It sounds fun. like there was a highly sophisticated and well-developed communication structure in that household. Yes, it was. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, me and the oldest moved. Me and the older brother moved out. And then I'm pretty sure it quieted down by a lot. What'd you no, do with the cord? I, uh, I think I left it there because I had to buy a new one when I moved up to uh, Washington. I couldn't think of the that, state for some reason. That might be the cord that's in my computer now. Ah, legacy cord. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I bought plenty of stuff to game with, mainly controllers. Um, I also, I don't know if you know this, Anthony. Um, I had a tendency of losing games and not like, oh God, they're gone forever lost. Like, oh God, what freaking case did I put this in? Um, I said your name. I'm sorry. Horse. Uh, oh, you're good. I know. Uh, now I'm talking as a brother. Don't not, recite his social. Uh, it is. Uh, no, I don't even know it. So what I used to do as a kid, I don't know if you did this, Brow, or Horse, if you did this. I would take a game. <laughs> And put it in the game I wanted to play. So I'd pop the game I wanted to play out, take the game that was in the tray, put it into the the wrong case, and then I would keep simulating this. So by the end of it, uh, I would have to guess which game was which. So I'd have to go through like all 60, 70 games, just popping them open. And I, I hated that, and I would get angry about that too, and like throw shit. Uh, it's actually a plot point in train spotting, but I I relate to what you're saying. That used to be a <laughs> thing I did briefly. Luckily. In my youth, Monster Rancher became a real thing, and that very quickly conditioned me to not do that shit. Uh, do love the TV show. Monster? Yes, I remember Monster Rancher, and I love the TV show. I don't uh, know. Horse wasn't alive at that point, I don't think. He was no, like a... that, was... that was late 90s. I was right when Yu-Gi-Oh! hit big and Pokemon came out, so Monster Rancher... Uh, I remember, remember mainly the TV show uh, and the one-eyed thing and a penguin. Uh, another, uh -huh. But... Uh, yeah, it was big in like the late nineties, uh, right around. Are you familiar with, horse? Are you familiar with the with the conceit, the main mechanical conceit of the game? No. Okay. I don't. I don't know what Monster Ranger is. Pokemon was really big, so having a zoo of fantasy creatures that can battle, dogfights, you know, uh, was pretty popular. So Monster Rancher had this fantastic idea, because everything was physical media, discs. Monster Rancher was the game where your entire collection of movies, music, and other PlayStation games, if they're on disc, you can go to the summoning shrine and offer a mystical stone tablet to the shrine, which you would then pop the game disc out of the PlayStation, put a new disc in, it would read that disc, and then when you put the game back in, it would tell you which creature you summoned from that disc. So, there were some specific locked summons, especially if they're from the same publishing company that gave you very good monsters. And there's always a random chance you get something pretty cool. So 80% of time spent playing that game was taking a big stack of CDs, dropping some, breaking the cases, because you're kids, you're idiots. Mm -hmm. Fucking popping them in, seeing what you get, and go, ugh, it's another 
Ochi and just discarding the creature to the pit of the abyss, throwing them <laughs> in the wood chipper, basically. And then taking your favorites, um, and because there were pixel boobies, sometimes your favorites weren't the best stats, just the ones you like seeing jiggle the best, just personal experience, you would then take them to your special ranch and groom them, I mean raise them, and then <clears throat> force them to fight their peers. And as was recently revealed, uh, because of poor translations, some of the boosting items in Monster Rancher had these hidden effects where one of them was basically feeding like steroids and meth to your creature, which said, hey, your stats will double, but you take 20 weeks off of their lifespan. So you just roid up your battle creatures, not knowing, because the, the text about shortening lifespan wasn't there. Just, yeah, go, go, go. Oh, it retired early. And then the <laughs> game continued. I'm dropping some images in the Discord if you, if you want to see some of the late, great PlayStation graphics with it. They brought it back for the PS2, but it wasn't quite the same. It wasn't a stellar game to begin with, but man, I had some good memories of swapping discs in that game. And consequently, because of that game, largely, I learned, no, 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 discs go back to where they came from. And everything is labeled. Although sometimes See, the label... Mm -hmm. my, uh, my relationship with like swapping discs from case to case like started to get bad, and then I was like, I really don't want to lose these games in whatever case they end up in. So I ended up just stacking all of my discs in just a CD pile. And that's where all of like the games that I had just played were. So I just searched through that. Yeah, I remember that moving when I moved back here. It's like, holy shit, there's like 70 CDs stacked up on top of uh, his Xbox. The mm. fuck? Like, is this every game he owns? It doesn't affect the venting in the least, I promise you. Game, uh, CD, DVD... It was everything. I think there like, were a couple like original PlayStation games in there that you had left that had just yeah. kind of gotten in with the pile. Sega GT Racing was in there. I remember that. I was like, God damn, oh, he still cool. has this. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit. The terminology is sometimes aspirational games, meaning I'm happy I own this. I'm never playing this again, but having it makes me feel happy. So I can look at it and say, man, that was great. I'm not about to make it live again because nostalgia is stronger than with experiences now. Uh -huh. play, anybody want to play the PS3 version of whatever? No. Nobody does. But I'm glad I have this. Actually, I do want to touch on something with Horse specifically. Uh, if that is your real name, uh, you, you nodded to me like, hey, that Nier Automata is pretty special. Yeah. Did you come into that particular fiction series with Nier Automata? Or did you yeah. find it there from The Roots? No, I found it from Nier Automata. Um, I think the first time I played it, uh, it was just like on Game Pass. Ah, you fucker. It's and okay. Then, yeah. And then I bought it after they removed it because I wanted to play it more. And uh, like going into it, I had no idea. And like playing through it gave me somewhat of an understanding of what was going on. Still was lost. So no. after I had played through the game multiple times, then I was like, ah, I still need like more understanding. So I went and like looked it up, and that's when I found that there was even more before Automata. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you did reach ending E. Um I don't remember. Okay. What all you, you would have remembered if you did. Okay, if he, in case you're not remembering, did you choose you or did you choose everyone? 
See, I went back and did a lot of the ending. Um, We're talking about the, like, this, no, this is the, the real, true last oh, ending. this is the real, real ending? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think I chose me. Okay. Because you're going through the credits, and it's real difficult, and you're not sure what the hell you're supposed to do, and then it asks you, would you like some help? And you go, yeah, help would be awesome. And then you finish the credits, and it asks you, is it you, or is it everyone? Okay, it's all right. No hmm. worry. I, I might not have gotten there. I don't know. It's been a few years since I played. Always worth a return. Uh, my, my general summary to you of my relationship with this creator and this sort of storytelling. Uh, there is a thoroughly unfun game on PS2 called Drakengard, if you've heard of the Drakengard series. I think, okay you... I think I heard of it whenever I was watching like the lore videos, but I've never seen gameplay of it or anything. Okay. It was before the internet days really took off. So you, you got game, you play game. If you can't figure it out, well, try or give up. And little by little, things like GameFAQs got helpful and people writing guides as passionate fans to dis, you know, disperse it well before looking up YouTube solutions and stuff. And this is a game that I played completely sans internet. I was visiting somebody at a PS2. I thought, oh, this looks interesting. And I like Dynasty Warriors games. So at that point, cool, more Dynasty Warriors games. Turns out that the creator try to get this project launched off the ground, and the only way he could do it is by uh, basically pitching that formula. But his entire vision was, isn't it funny how most game protagonists are just mass murderers, and that's okay because they're on the side of justice? Cool. What if we make a game where you play a goddamn psychopath, and it's not fun to kill people, and it's grindy, and it's repetitive, and it's all that you do? Doesn't that sound fun? And what if you had a flyable dragon that you could do like an ace combat thing with? But again, you sort of hate each other and you're stuck by a, a, a circumstance versus choice. All of this sounds bleak, and the storytelling doesn't really get much kinder from there. And this was the kind of game where I saw it through to the end of its campaign, and it was confusing and it was disjointed, and everyone seemed to have very serious mental problems. But this is where you hit credits. And you get a moment, and it's pretty touching. And then the game says, new chapters unlocked. And this happens for four additional endings. And it just gets more nightmarish with every ending you pursue, because you sort of manage to kind of save the day with a lot of expense. And it just gets fucking worse. And the very last thing you can do was basically a gag ending. Chucks will immediately say, yeah, like Silent Hill and the dog endings. Ah, those are so much fun. Which bypasses the story. But that last ending was infamous because you have just a death rhythm battle that bypasses all the rules heretofore done. So you have to basically perfectly ace a rhythm challenge. And then shit just goes bad for your character anyway. And mm -hmm. I, I beat my head against that battle for about an hour and a half, late at night, a long summer away from now. And I felt exhausted by the end, and that was the point. And then I just I was left conflicted with what the fuck did I just see? Now, because the game enjoyed some modest success, they made a number two sequel on the PS2 still. 
and it was nowhere near as good. It played a little better, but it's just the talent. It was it was taken from a rated R film to a rated PG thirteen film, yeah. with all all the sex crimes and murders are still there. They're just a little more sanitized. It does have a really good chunk in the middle, but you only care about that chunk if you played the first game. And I don't endorse playing the first game. Maybe watch a cutscene through or a playthrough. It is highly repetitive, and that's on purpose. It doesn't make it fun. Well, years later, with fond memories of this game, uh, back when blockbusters were a thing, I was renting new releases in the PS3 because I had a PS3 and I wanted to play all the games because I thought it was a finite medium that's going to run out soon. I was wrong. And there's this game called Near, And it has no fanfare. I saw no ads for this, and I thought, this looks interesting. And one of the chief, collect- uh, chief items or elements of Guard is weapons collection. And Nier Automata did this, you'll probably remember, where as the weapon levels up, it reveals a little more of a story about the weapon. Yeah. And the stories, again, are rarely happy things, but they give you more pieces of the world. Well, what they didn't bring back, and I understand why, is that in Guard 1, the weapons changed visually with each level up. So the weapon looked different, performed a little bit different, and the story continued. I even have this really fond memory of a katana, because it levels up by kills, not by experience. It was yeah. easy to level up. Really easy. And it got worse with each level up. Because the blade kept breaking and chipping. Oh, damn. And the fourth level took the most effort to get. Like an obnoxious amount of kills. Like two and a half clears of the farm level. But then the blade was sustained by a malicious energy. The shards floated together in a pattern. And it gave you the end of the story. That this is a soul-drinking weapon. And the, again, it's a little hurdle to clear. But if you do it, you get some payoff. Because you understand what rhythm this is. And this is the game that gave us Ymir's Finger. Which has been in every... I think pretty much every Dragon Garden year game since then. It's an automata. It's a very big slabby sword. But yeah. it's a pretty flex move. When the first line of the weapon story is... This is the largest sword in the world. <laughs> and your character can barely fuck lift it, and when they swing it, it goes from one end of the screen to the other end of the screen, and everything else dies. But mm-hmm. that weapon became more tarnished as you kept using it, and in the second game, it came back as an axe called Broken Steel, as in it finally snapped the fucking half. So all of this stuff is just like flavored for the game. And near, I didn't realize that there was a connection right up until I picked up a weapon and said, that looks familiar, and the tone... Again, it's sort of bleak and depressing because it's bad, and the story is confusing. I thought, oh, Yoko Taro, you mad motherfucker. You snuck one in. You made another game. And guess what? It even connects to Drakengard in esoteric, weird-ass ways, but the story is a linear connection. And of course, this world is based on that joke-ass ending from the first game because it wasn't a joke. <laughs> it <laughs> connects. And so after playing Nier, years later, because nobody saw this coming, Yoko Taro's Madman Storytelling, combined with Platinum Games, who have given us Vanquish, one of my favorite games, Bayonetta, uh, some other bullshit, and then, I'm sorry, there's good games there. And they gave us Nier Automata. So a studio that makes games feel good is combined with a director and creator who likes really bleak, macabre, but involved storytelling. Uh, and when I saw trailers for Nier Automata, uh, one of the characters said something like, Glory to Mankind. And I just stared at the screen, and I thought, okay, how many layers to this lie? How? <laughs> because if this is the sequel to Nier, 
that is impossible. You are flat out not telling the truth. And it's true. It's not telling the truth. But the beauty of that story is what is the life continuum? How much does the flesh really matter? What do these things mean in connection to each other? And what is the nature of purpose? You know this. You played the game. So I would say that media browse-throughs, watch-throughs, let's plays, if you like, of the previous games would give you additional value. By far, playing Nier Automata is the most satisfying rendition of this. I hear the remaster of Nier on the PS5 and 4 is it's an improvement for sure, but the bones are still the previous game's bones. It was before uh, the guys at Platinum could, could make the game feel good to your hands. Yeah. So I'm mad happy you know what Nier Automata is. Very, very, very happy about that. Uh, if you want to check out more, it's available to get more connecting crumbs to that plot. And uh, Nier Automata became one of the most influential and satisfying games that I've played right before, several months later, it got knocked down a couple pegs by Disco Elysium. Which Chucks is thoroughly tired of me yelling about. <laughs> no. Well, you get to yell some more because I haven't heard much about it. Uh, <laughs> Chucks, you want to take this one? No, no, no. I'll let you take it. You're, you've I was going to ask you earlier, since you were talking about playing games with your wife, has she finished Disco yet? But it sounds like she has. She has. And she's been writing an essay for several months trying to tell me the connection to this. And she actually got a fantastic decoration for above her bed of a print of Revishal. Uh, I have... Uh, horse, if you're interested, if anybody else is listening to this, we do have a playthrough of our channel. Uh, it's incomplete currently. We're trying to pursue it further of Disco Elysium. The final cut, meaning there's voice acting now, um, we're in the middle of this exploration. Uh, Disco Elysium is virtually a playable book. It behaves like a classic point-and-click RPG, complete with stats, inventory management, and an interesting equipment system. And it is perhaps the most human story I have ever come across in its depth and complexity. And it can be seen in a very broad layer tier of comprehension. I've seen people bounce off of it because too many words and who gives a shit. Uh, I'm disappointed by people who go, oh man, like this is all about this. I'm telling you, dude, communism. This this is why we need communism. <laughs> it's going to work. And that basically just tells me that they're looking for affirmation of their current political flavor du jour. And they're not fucking paying attention. Yeah, they're not coming into it with an open mind. They're coming into it looking for what they want. Well, they're probably driven here by a content creator who told them, check this out, and they're just barking at, yeah, this. Uh, the Disco Elysium subreddit is a place that I go to still. I finished this game. Well, excuse me. I finished my first playthrough of this game back in April of this last year. Uh, I will... I don't usually do this, but at the drop of a hat, if someone says, hey, I want to play this, do you want to watch? I will begin a new playthrough with them right then and there. And... Most people, they do put it down, but it's mostly because, oh, the, the Game Pass uh, library roster changed. I got, I got to play the new shit. <laughs> this, this is one that should stick with you. Uh, I will give you the following as well, because I can't praise it enough. It's basically a cult at this point, and it deserves to be, because it's written by people. I would argue, I'll use your name, Anthony, I would argue, and this is very gatekeeper-y, you're a little bit young to play it, but you should anyway. Because I don't think you've lost enough in your life yet to really have it hit you in a specific time. Because this is a this is a game primarily rooted in failure. 
mechanically speaking, like the best of RPGs, you have stats. You have stats. Numbers. Numbers are good, right? And these stats are, are broken up into four categories. Each category has six skills attached to them, and they all talk to you. So you're basically playing a party of 25 people. But depending how beefed up your stats are, points-wise, they will notice things and tell you about these things more often or less often. And depending who's strong or who's weak, they might argue with each other or affirm each other or have really fun combination dialogue. And this is all manifested by you having dialogue tree on the right of your screen. And when things occur to you in your head, these are some of the possible things you could say, say to someone. And just like real life, you probably have things in your head you don't say out loud that could occur over the course of conversation. And you can choose to explore those or not. And I thoroughly recommend you do explore them. You do. Because this is not a game that represents you as the person that you are right now. This is a game that represents a character in a certain point in their life where things occur to them on different bases. And it's very satisfying to go see where those leads go. Because if you might think to yourself, oh, that's like a really basic thing to say. I know where this is going. No, you do not. You say, that's a really racist thing to say. I know where this is going. No, you do not. Respectfully, the writing is consistently dense where even the tiny descriptors of what your gear does are worth reading. And the world is dripping with detail. And it's beautifully narrated. And your stat lines, they even tell you if the skill is underleveled, you might have these repercussions. And it might not speak up very often. If it is overleveled, here's the degree of psychosis you're going to experience. For example, there's a skill in the game called Encyclopedia. It is attached to your intelligence-based skills. Encyclopedia is full of facts. And these facts, depending on how developed Encyclopedia the stat is, will come up consistently through conversation. Now, this is useful to you as the player because Encyclopedia fleshes out the world you're inhabiting based on true facts. But I stress, these are the true facts that this character understands. Meaning, they're very firm in thinking this is encyclopedic knowledge. This is indisputable. They could still be fucking wrong. But it will just come up constantly. Because sometimes during conversation, when somebody says something, you, it might occur to you, oh, I have, a, I have a true fact. And then, like real people, you either go, oh, interesting, because Chucks will just pop off with a, with a factoid about an actor or a certain thing. That's his encyclopedia stat triggering, and him saying, ooh, ooh, I know something about this. And then just butting into a conversation, like a five-year-old, uh, mm-hmm. who would fucked in a different joke but in this case again Dear God. this bad. is this is the, this is one stat of 24 and they're responsible for different pieces of your awareness so this already creates a matrix of complexity within the game that i'm basically going to tell you you just you can't you will not be able to experience it all at one playthrough that's not a bad thing it's it's thoroughly satisfying the worst thing you can do is keep all the stats low because then you're denying yourself a layer of interaction because you just don't notice some things if you're not paying attention to them, if that makes sense. The other thing is you have a curious mechanic that famously almost sunk the game called the Thought Cabinet. As you wander around, around your time in the game, you will develop these thought patterns. You'll say, oh, like what, what about this, though? And you can socket that into your Thought Cabinet because the thought will have an initial state of, oh, I just had an idea. And it will have a certain modifier to your skills and stats as you're mulling this over. And as you spend time interacting with the world, in-world time will pass. And then the thought resolves into its completed phase. Because now that you've thought about it, here's how you feel. 
and the stat line modifiers change, usually for the better, not always. But the real reward beyond the stats is the writing, because you discover more of the character over the sorts of things that you now thought about and expressed. So for example, one of the thoughts you could get fairly early in the game is a thought entitled Advanced Race Theory. And currently in America, North America, the country, United States, it's, it's, a, it's a hot subject. So something called Advanced Race Theory might be like arsenic. Like, ah, don't touch it! No, 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 no! But if you read the text of the thought, and you think about it, let the character resolve it, the resulting text might surprise you. And that's why I tell Chucks, never opt out of any thoughts, because you don't know. You don't know enough yet. Let this happen to your character in the game. Let him think. The, uh, the third big element is that you have to unlearn a little bit of gamer logic, because the game will present you with stat checks, implicit ones and explicit ones. And typically speaking, we as gamers like to save scum until we get the success result. And this game teaches you, fairly early, don't be afraid to fail. You get very distinct results, and even if you go to a repeatable check and you fail it and it's locked out, there's a pretty good chance it will become available later on, when you've seen more of the world to see what happens. And again, the results might be quite different. New paths open up by you fucking up here and now. There's only a couple of real bottlenecks in the game where you have to clear something, and it's pretty forgiving. And uh, the whole game takes place in one shitty neighborhood. It's not a very big map. It's got, it's got stuff going on. It's very, very, very dense. And because it takes place over a week, or longer, depending how things go, things will change day over day. Little things. So you'll get used to the neighborhood and expect certain interactions. Uh, and if you don't like it slow... Um, sorry to tell you, there's almost no combat in the game. You do have the option to punch a 14-year-old if you want to. And flying roundhouse kick uh, somebody. If you want to, that's a possibility as well. But this is very much a game about words and thoughts, and if that sounds spoopy to you, I understand. Still a recommendation whenever you feel open to those kinds of feelings and ideas, because I don't like to think of myself as a super emotional guy, Flat out cried multiple times in the game. But it's also because part of the things that are happening to the character echo experiences in my life that hit similar rhythms. Yeah. And those those notes are always going to hit a lot harder whenever you can personally connect to them. Of course. And that's why if you're a, if you're a fresh-faced kid with no worries in the world, it's not going to hit the same way as somebody who's lived there long enough to kind of have some things ground down and get concrete. But... um. One conversation in this game gave me closure for two relationships that I never got in real life because it was written so goddamn believably. And what I haven't talked about yet is the pivotal character that you control. Uh, as far as you understand, you are a police detective. And you are here to investigate a murder. Uh, unfortunately, you've spent the last three days drinking so hard you kind of lost all knowledge of the world. So maybe that you got to fucking figure out. And there's expectations among you, but you, you make of that what you will. Your first challenge is to get out of your hotel room and then let the game happen to you. It's immediately enthralling. And some people that were very skeptical because they heard about it and they go, oh, whatever, whatever. I just kind of put the controller in their hand or say, click, 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 here you go. And 
two hours have passed. And they're like, I want more. I want more. This is so, <laughs> so much here. And no, it's not Halo Infinite. It's not any of those things. And I'm, again, evangelizing the game. But you kind of come here for this, don't you? If you're listening to the show, you want this. You love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want a sampler, there are playthroughs out there, including our own. There are essays on this. There's a lot going on. If if you only see this as a social conduct reflection and then you impose those value judgments and say stuff like, oh my God, I can't believe you'd say that. Oh my God, this is like so rude. This is so non-progressive. I don't know about this. You can do that, but you're not getting the value. If you no, say, yeah. It seems like that game's much more of an experience than you get from most anything else that is just online play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I endorse it wholeheartedly. I think it's basically welding itself into my number one ever. And I've had great experiences before, and I had number one games. I don't see this one coming down very low or anytime soon. Because now also it exists in a world where it was well-received by people who know about it, and not very many do, relatively speaking. And the people who grab it and are immersed in it a huge amount saying, oh my god, that was amazing. When's the sequel? Which is also a fundamental misunderstanding of what's happening here. There's kind of a reason why in the Sound Hill library, Sound Hill 2 stands alone. There cannot be a sequel to this. The story is on its own. And here, I'm not saying the end is what you think it is. I'm not. But if you were to make another game, if you make it like this, that it'd be too much like this. If you make it in the same setting, you've got other options in the world. There doesn't have to be any connection to these characters at all. This really tells you that the action is taking place in an unimportant part of an important place. But it's really important that you figure out what's happening. And there are layers of what's happening because it starts as simple as where's my other goddamn shoe and ends up with questions like what is the pale? And there's a lot in between. And I forced Chucks through a long series of conversations that he almost fell asleep twice and shit himself once. But then when we got to the important questions, it pivoted the entire realm of perception of what's happening in this game to these characters in this world. And it's not just... um, Like, 13 Sentinels is a really good whodunit once. Different game, but also slow-paced. It's all about conversations and very light puzzles and occasional mech combat. But that game is a, whoa, what a twist! This is not interested in just being a twist. But now that you're aware that this is happening, that kind of redefines a lot of what's going on here. Yeah. So I, it, it forces a new perspective on you now that you understand this critical point. Yes. And if you do have some understanding of this point, you can now talk to other people to better understand what they said before and what they can say to you now. And that is a lot of questions as far as what does that mean to this character? What does that mean to this world? What does that mean to you as the player? And what does that do for you going forward? Because this is something you cannot unknow unless, of course, you spent a certain amount of time blanking yourself from existence with alcohol. One of those things, you know? Yeah. The more more steps you take forward, the more you're doing something else. But up, fucking recommend it. It's funny. It's dark. It's hard. You can die sitting in a chair. You can have a heart attack. You can. uh, Bad things can happen. You can shoot a kid. The game ends if you shoot a kid. Just saying. 
but you can. <laughs> that is an ending you can take. Well, it doesn't even necessarily end if you it just ends the game. If you, if you fail the check, as in if you squeeze the trigger and you miss, the game remembers and the game goes on. But if you succeed in that dexterity check, you shot a kid. <laughs> cut, cut, cut to newspaper heading. Bad end. Game's over. Tiny spoiler. Tiny spoiler. But uh, listen, there's so much stuff here. Don't worry about it. And if you play your games in such a way that uh, like you have a couple hours to play, like when I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2, my biggest advice was just turn it on, don't play the online, play the story. Okay, fine, fuck it, play the online, you idiot. But if you're playing the story, just let the game happen to you. Hold no expectations. Stuff will happen accidentally or deliberately, and it's all good. But don't think to yourself, man, I gotta clear these quests. No, just immerse yourself. Something similar happens here. It could be that an hour and a half went by, and you entered a room, talked to two people, checked out some shelf drawers, and looked at the ceiling. And that's all you managed to do, but you were having a blast the entire time because the world keeps painting itself in words, and you understand I'm a words guy. And these are high-quality words. And you appreciate what's being painted before you. We don't need graphics that much. We just need to tell you effectively what is happening. And Shivers is amazing. It's a skill in the game. Basically fucking psychic. I... I mean, I, I can stop here. It's it's all good. <laughs> I mean, to you, it sir. seems like a really good game. Um, I'll definitely have to check it out. There's nothing like it. There is not. And there's a, doesn't need to be anything else besides this. Like near near Automata, talks a big, loud, emotional, existential game, and it's all big emotions because it's anime. We gotta like scream at the sky, do ah. <laughs> this is substantially more nuanced. I'll give you an example. Uh, very early on. There's a guy sleeping at a desk. If you have questions, you can ask the guy, but he's clearly sleeping. Not bothering anybody. Had some rum, laying down sleeping. And if you... Like, the bottom option is walk away. But the the top three dialogue options are ways that you can interact with this individual. And depending on your your awareness skills, the, the top three might say, pat the man on the shoulder saying, hey, are you okay? The next one says, I am a police officer. I have questions for you. And the next one says, in parentheses, no words. Just a bestial primordial scream. So your character can just go, ah, to wake a guy up. And he goes, what the fuck? You don't have to do that. But it might occur to your character, depending on their inclinations, that you'd use that option. Because he gets the job done. That's one example out of thousands. I'm almost not exaggerating. Good shit. This Galizium, everybody. Good game. Good game. I'll give it. I'll give you credit where credit's due, sir. I'm glad you introduced me to that game. Do we have anything else to say? Because I mean, how, how do you follow up Disco? I can bring the five-year-old back out. He's still <laughs> kicking a little bit. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Ma- massive eternal trauma, but so long if you bring him back. He's been laying there for quite a while there, bro. Yeah, right next to the bowl of Brazil nuts. It's all in one nice neat corner. (laughs) (laughs) I could bury him in the nuts so that, you know, you find a nice crunchy prize at the end. Oh, dear God. Oh, God. Afternoon delight. (laughs) I don't endorse this behavior. I'm just saying shit to get reactions. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you are. 
no. Uh, I ain't got much left, man. I mean, I haven't been able to up too much. Uh, I would like, though, before anybody else jumps in here, to apologize, because it's been about... Oh, God. In the past month, we've only uploaded, like, two videos. Uh, I found out I have really bad uh, setups outside my house, so I lost internet for a bit and couldn't upload anything and couldn't download anything. So it's kind of stuck. Uh, I got that fixed. Uh, internet's working, as you can tell, because we're all talking. Uh, but I would like to apologize to everybody on that end, and uh, hopefully we'll be back up to our regularly scheduled uh, upload schedule that we've been doing. So, I guess the two of us have to give you a soft, firm guideline, saying, hey, Mondays, Tuesdays, what are you doing? You available? What's up? What's going on? Yeah, so uh, to give everybody a heads up, we'll be, the, the podcast will be every other week now. Um, adding Water Horse, he his with his schedule Mondays, Tuesdays will be the best. Um, I don't think we want to try to shove two podcasts in in two days. So, uh, oh, we gotta we gotta like we gotta get back to that Borderlands One business because that's the hot the hotness. We do, we definitely do. Uh, Borderlands One, Two. I don't think I have three. I have... <laughs> the hell was that? What do you mean? All I heard was a bunch of scraping and stuff in the background. Did someone die over there? Are you okay? Oh, it's scratching my ass. It's really bristly. Ah, I got you. It's like a, one of those uh, metal bristle pads that you use. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. A Brillo um, pad. Thank you, Brillo pad. I, I, I use a grill brush on my taint. It does wonders. Oh, dear God. <laughs> gets, gets all the extra, the, the, the buildup out, right? Clinging particles and great exfoliation, all one stroke. Um, I mean, it was a sales feature. So, yeah, the, the hope is with a new year... Uh, um. Towards the end of this month, yes, yeah, so we're recording this in mid-January, uh, there may be a week where we don't have a recording, just because I'm moving, uh, but from there, starting in February, I'm hoping uh, get back on the borderlands, kind of do what we did at the beginning of last year, get some uh, recordings in and do some streaming, build up everybody. It's a variety show! Yeah. Uh, that way that you guys just don't have to see my screen, hopefully I can get... Uh, water horse to throw some stuff up there uh maybe these guys can do some stuff but to, to expand the channel and uh because i know for the past year all we've done is podcast and disco which i'm not complaining about on the disco but i'm pretty sure you guys may want some variety so uh water horse uh i'm assuming you're staying i don't know if you're going to be a staple on here that's up to you sir uh what would we... like to if okay. you guys won't kick me out no, no, we haven't kicked anybody out yet. The last guy left because uh, I moved three thousand miles away. <laughs> and he, you're here on a provisional basis. Watch yourself. Yeah. Um, but no, we don't plan on kicking kicking you out, and uh, we, we would like you to stay if that's. Uh, so I'm assuming that's a yes. Um, yeah. I guess we're gonna have to start up a series with him, Brown. Uh, I guess once this ends, we'll discuss that and figure out how we do things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm all for that. Please, this is this is good mental health business. It is, especially with my job. I definitely need this. Uh, Waterhorse, would you uh, like to give any some ending comments? Um, looking forward to whooping y'all in some games. Uh, <laughs> put him on the spot, and he collapses. Like, oh fuck, I'm on. Uh, uh, oh shit, <laughs> shit. What do I do? Is Bro, do you have anything to bro, chill? Any, any merch you want to push? Pressure. Merch. Uh, Would you like to uh, endorse your uh, live chat channel? 
Um, with a generous I'm donation. Thinking about, I'm thinking about starting to sell my uh, sweat in little like six ounce vials. Oh, so it's limited availability. Yeah, Get yours now. I don't. Oh. I don't produce that much sweat, so I gotta. I gotta spread it where I can. Makes sense. I did, that with, I did that with my seed, and I ended up with two kids, though. So. Oops. The seed demand gets this. <laughs> I should have sold it. The seed, not the kids. No, no, I'll keep the kids. Especially now, after hearing Brow, I'm going to have to keep them within like a 3,000-mile radius from them. <laughs> All in a certain age range. <laughs> they're, they're in that age range of what you were talking about. <laughs> no. Nah, they ain't, they ain't wriggly enough. <laughs> ah, I gotcha. Uh, Anything else, Water Horse? I don't mean to keep cutting you off. Uh, no. Uh, Brow, no. what about you? Any ending remarks? Uh, it's great to get the band back together. It's nice to have extra dynamics. We have benefited in the past for Chuck's sake to have multiple uh, directions to listen to, multiple perspectives to have, because when it's just him and me, it's pretty asymmetrical. I like it, but I also recognize that I motor mouth, and he largely just stares away every few seconds because his mind demands that he do this. But uh, with family, with Kindred in the picture, I think it would be a good landscape shift for us. Oh. And if nothing else, uh, although we, we discuss a good mix of quality media, memes, and completely vile topics on this crime cast, I think it's constructive and useful to be able to express these things in a safe and trusted environment. And... Um, help propagate conversations and get things off our minds so we can get back to low grinding. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, all audience, everybody around the world has been listening to us. Cause I can actually say that there's quite a bit of people listening all over the place. Um, as always, you can find us on Spotify, Google podcast, uh, Apple podcast. You can find us on our YouTube channel. If you want us to play something for you, or you want us to stream something, please leave us a link in or anything you can on our YouTube channel. For some reason, I cannot get any comments anywhere else. Um, if you guys, like I said, want to play with us, let us know. Drop a link, let us know, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll start putting up a schedule with these guys and talking to them. Uh, but as always, I'm Nutchucks. I'm Robbie. I'm the Water Horse. Till next time, guys. We'll talk to you then. See ya.